Welcome, creeps, to Ghoul School Special Number Four of 2006. I'm Tenure Track Terror Jarrett Duncan. Uh, I am the Cat Man. We're taking a break from our cartoon creep still to dig deep into the dark side of cinema, the horror films of old and new, all during October, the best of the year to do so. Before we talk about what we've seen, though, hey, RJ, how are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, Jer. Yeah. Uh, I went to a birthday dinner last night, mm-hmm. and uh, we went to an Indian restaurant, and I uh, su- successfully gorged myself to the point of uh, discomfort, as is always the plan. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the food came back this morning, and I saw God. I think so Uh-oh. it was one of those experiences uh, um, yeah. but it was good I like Indian food it's very tasty mm-hmm. 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 and uh, uh, I still don't have a clever name for our intro so well, you, you got one more week one, one more, more week. one more try before uh, I just start naming things like I just saw my cat so I was like I'm the cat man <laughs> because I got nothing else uh, see those are just trade secrets of podcast right there um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I messaged you saying, so, are you watching any movies tonight? And you just said, sad face, birthday party, and that's a big disappointment to everyone. Yeah, I, it's a disappointment to you, to yeah. me, to uh, the man upstairs, the cats downstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made up for it. I got up extra early this morning, and I already jammed out two movies, so. Oh. I'm, I'm making up for it, Jer. Oh, <laughs> And it's not like I haven't watched a lot of shit. I think I'm at, like, almost 50 movies for the month, so give me a break, man. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess I'm I'm at 80, so mm. there's that. Well, yeah, but you're a monster. That's true. I am the movie, Literal I am a movie monster. A, movie cin- monster. a cinemonster, some might say. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, last night uh, I had a very disappointing uh, turkey bacon wrap thing uh at a kind of casual pub type place and casual pub place can you identify casual pub uh, it is called original joe's uh yes um and it yeah this wrap just sucked it was like it it tasted like it just come out of the fridge and Mm. they didn't like there's no i I was expecting like a hot wrap i guess but nope it was a cold wrap if you want a hot wrap you got to go downtown to the boys in the alley. That's right. And, uh, yeah, so this thing had some, like, vinaigrette sauce kind of dumped, like, at the bottom of it. So when I picked it up, it had just been soaking in red vinaigrette sauce. It was atrocious. Um, I don't recommend it. Um, yeah, that that's what happens perfect. when you get for trying to eat healthy. And then I looked up, like, how many calories does this, like, a fledged healthy turkey wrap thing have? And it was like, oh, it's like 963 calories. And it's like, fuck Yikes. that. It's like I could have gone damn gone to McDonald's and had, like, a Big Mac and uh, called it a Enjoy day. Yourself. Enjoyed my Big Mac for mm-hmm. some fries. Yeah, well, I think you made the wrong choice there. Did you get fries at Original Joe's? No, I didn't. I had like uh, I got rice and like some uh, garden salad thing, and those. Oh, that's the, so fucking lame. Those were fine though. I actually enjoyed the salad and the rice. The rice was actually very good, but uh, yeah, no, that that wrap sucked, my friend. Yeah, but Original Joe's has this bang and dill dip for fries. It's super good. It's just like mayonnaise with dill in it or something. Yeah. But damn. That's worth the price of admission alone. Mm-hmm. You should have just got a plate of fries with that dip. Uh, probably. Actually, what I should have just got was like they have like a LA street dog, and it's like mm-hmm. it's it's like a fifteen dollar fancy hot dog. But uh, I've had it before and it tasted good. So yeah. I got yeah. hey Jerry, I got a street dog for you. Yeah. Hey yo. <laughs> oh, that's it, huh? Yeah. 
I'm I I don't pride myself in originality or mm-hmm. being clever. Come on. Yep. No one would mistake you for any of those things. So <laughs> hey, another week, another podcast episode talking about horror. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's just jump right into it because uh, sure. we were getting a reputation for talking for a really long time about this shit. So let's maybe try to keep it keep it short-ish, maybe attempt it, but failing. Okay. Sure. Um, I will knock. Speaking of shorts, I'm going to knock out some internet shorts that I've watched this last couple of days. Shorts. Um. So I caught up on a, with a couple of things that you actually watched last time. I watched oh, yeah. that local 58 weather service. From oh, yeah. last year, uh, mm-hmm. another another uh, letter boxer that I follow, he uh, checked it out and he said this was most excellent. And I mean, I, I respect mm-hmm. his opinion more than yours, so uh, I fair. actually watched it this time. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's okay, you know. Um, to lay it out to people, uh, it's assembled from just like found, um, it's like found footage, but legitimately where it's just sampled, uh, like. B clips from nothing sources and then compiling it into a kind of horror-ish narrative where mm-hmm. uh, something's happened in the sky and things are happening. There's like a moon, <laughs> the moon's alive or some sort of moon entities come into it. It's all mm-hmm. very Lovecraftian. It's all very creepy pasta. Oh, um, creepy pasta. Yeah. Well, it, whatever. It's like two and a half minutes. Uh, it's it was done as well as you could expect it to be. Um, mm-hmm. I could see why the kids are all into it, but it was yeah. it was fine. I I mean, I didn't feel like I wasted two and a half minutes or anything like that. It was like, oh yeah, that was inoffensive. Yep. Uh, I checked out that Voodoo uh, mm-hmm. that was made by some fellas uh, that uh, met gave a shout out to us for talking about it on the show. Um, yes. I, and I just wrote like a kind of lengthy-ish kind of feedback thing for them mm-hmm. as they're starting out making stuff, I guess, or this is the first thing that they've really published out there to get feedback on. Um, yep. And I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not particularly good or worth talking oh. about at this point, but I mean, who knows? I mean, I just hope that people just keep making stuff and don't be discouraged. Yep. I mean, all you can do is make crap and make crap and make crap and eventually you'll make something good. Mm-hmm. Um Unless you're a super genius, which most of us are not, um, yeah, that, that that's like yeah, exceptional people exist that make stuff like right out of the gate. You're like, holy crap! Everyone else has mm-hmm. to figure out stuff, and the only way to do it is to make keep on making stuff. That's about it. Um, yep. yep. So then I watched this other short that popped up on my radar called "The Ravishing of Frank N. Stein" from 1982. Uh, this is a kind of an interesting art. Uh, piece. It's just like a kind of hand-drawn um, first-person experience of walking through corridor after corridor after corridor uh, with this really fantastic mm-hmm. uh, audioscape score. And um, I mean, it's very reminiscent of like uh, like a stripped-down like Doom. I guess is the first thing that pops into my mind, or like Wolfenstein. Um, oh, yeah. And it's just like all it is is like this short animation of a, a figure walking through these like corridors after corridors, and it's kind of hypnotic. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen different stuff like this pop up um, in my uh, internet travels, checking out videos and art stuff. Corridors seem to be a real appealing thing for artists. Um, yeah, and this is probably one of the better ones I've seen. It also ties into sort of into the Frankenstein, the Universal stuff, and Bride of Frankenstein, all hand drawn. Um, I'd say it'd be worth for people looking at. I mean, it probably it might not be for everyone's tastes, but I think as far as like '80s art stuff goes, this is actually kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of stuck in my mind. This again, like the the sound particularly, is really good. 
Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I've watched this stuff and it just drives me nuts because it's super repetitive and people have said how great it is. But in this case, I actually think it's well earned. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for something a little bit offbeat that won't take too much time, squeeze another viewing in for Halloween. This would be the time to do it. And that's, uh, yeah. So there's that. But then mm-hmm. I think I checked out another video from the same guy and it was just horrendous, uh, coffee shop art, but it moved. Wee. I can't remember what it's called. Like two, uh, 78 tour or something like that. Cause it's like 78 records or something. Yeah. It's yeah, that stunk, but yeah. Stink that was, city. That was my uh, voyage into internet shorts and stuff online. Uh, did you see anything this week? Nope. Nope. Cool. <laughs> nope. Uh, yeah, I, I got some good watching in this week, I yeah. think. So uh, the first one I watched was a movie I had never even heard about until like a month ago. Uh, some sort of beloved franchise that uh, people are all about, but for some reason Jarrett uh, Fillmore Duncan really hates, <laughs> and that is the Phantasm franchise. Uh, did I talk about this already? No. Is this news? Is this news this to you? This is new. Because you, yeah, you watched this after we recorded last time. Ah, right. So uh, I had no idea these movies existed and that there was like some sort of cult following for them or something like that. So uh, I had no real knowledge of it going in. And I was like, all right, whatever. I'll just throw it on and see what it's like. And uh, I thought it was pretty good. Like, um, I don't think it's the most amazing shit ever. Like some pe- like a lot of people seem to think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why. Um, I enjoyed it. I was entertained the whole time. Uh, I thought the music was good. I thought the editing was good. It, uh, it's got a nice little flow to it. They do some Chris Nolan type stuff where people are thinking and you see like some nonlinear flashbacks. I thought that was pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. I'm all about Chris Nolan. What's this Phantasm about, RJ? Phantasm? Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, it's about like uh, two boys, an older brother and a younger brother, and their parents have died. And then uh, the older brother's friend dies and he goes to the funeral. And the little brother sneaks into the funeral because he wasn't allowed to go because it was grim shit. And why would you take a little kid to a funeral? Mm-hmm. And then while the little kid's at the funeral, he sees that uh, when everyone else has left, the funeral director uh, picks up the coffin with like one hand and just kind of throws it into the hearse and drives mm-hmm. away. And he's like, he's like, hmm, that's really fucking weird. <laughs> Plus that dude's super huge. Uh, he's like nine, nine feet or something. He's pretty tall. Pretty tall. Pretty and tall man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then what happens next? Uh, the little kid is just kind of like a little shit, like little kids are, and like sneaks around the funeral home because he's suspicious. He sees uh, dwarves, uh, moving fingers. Uh, a man gets a silver ball to the head and blood explodes out of it in a pretty gnarly scene. Uh, and then he tells his brother, and his brother's like, all right, I believe you. So uh, they go to investigate it together. They get into some hijinks, and they battle this tall man. Um, I think that's about pretty much all Phantasm's about. And there's some Jawas. <laughs> there are some Jawas, yeah, pretty much stolen right out of uh, uh, that movie, some the, fl- Star, the Star Wars movies. Yeah, there's floating spheres. Yeah, there's a – I thought that was pretty cool. It was like a silver orb and it had like razor blade things on the side and it like just flew at a dude's head and then mm-hmm. a circle came out and then like tons of blood gushes out of it. So that was pretty cool. Right. Um, I don't know. There's like metaphysical stuff in different worlds and zombie dudes and you don't – there's no explanation to why this tall man has powers or anything like that. Uh, sometimes he's a naked chick for some reason and I think because he likes to get down with the boys. Um, 
that's what I thought was implied at oh. least because that was him, wasn't it? I don't. It's been uh, a while since I watched this movie. Oh well, it doesn't matter. Okay. Um. So yeah, it's all about uh, this weird tall man and uh, these two brothers basically trying yeah. to figure they're, out. They're, what, yeah, so. and like uh, spoiler territory. Uh, like he's they're harvesting bodies to bring them to, in, to enslave them on this other planet, kind of, or like this mm-hmm. other dimension. Right. That's that's what yeah, the tall like, man's up to. Yeah, like you get a glimpse into the other world, and it's like a red planet or something, yes. like a barren wasteland. So. Um, yeah, there's stuff like that. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was all right. Like I was entertained the whole time. Mm-hmm. I, I thought the characters weren't like super stupid or anything like that. Like the little kids, like yeah, I found this stuff and the older guy's like, okay, yeah, I believe you. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like one of those shitty things where it's like, yeah, right, man. And then they have to like get some big grand thing to see it. To so. convince him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like it's, I was just looking back the, so I watched the last time I watched this movie and it was a rewatch was in February of 2012. And Ooh. it was one of those movies where I was like, uh, I was like super, I, was, I think at the time I was actually working on some like art stuff, like art projects. And uh, I was just working at, uh, out of my office at uh, like late at night. And I was just bringing movies in with me and just having them play while I was working on stuff. And Phantasm was one of those movies that uh, years prior I'd watched it and it was kind of cool on and I didn't really get mm-hmm. it. And so I'm like, well, you know what? Now that I'm in the mindset for this, I'm going to watch it again and see if it wins me over. And it didn't. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing I remember about this movie, if I had to like, if you had to pin me down, what I didn't like about it was that it felt like it's, it's so junkily made in some ways. Yeah. Like, Cause like he was like, I mean, so Don Cascarelli who directed this, he was young when he made that movie. He was like 19 or something like that, or maybe 22, like so very young. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I guess like for what he made, it's like pretty like, astounding what he pulled off mm-hmm. and like people love this movie to bits like yeah. uh on, like i've seen so many people like five stars five stars and i'm like really because like to me this movie's just like not that great but mm-hmm. i mean it could be a movie that i maybe I, I could watch it today and maybe i'll feel very like stronger or feel better and stronger about it um yep. But I did make my girlfriend watch it uh, the, this past year because I'm like, this movie is just, like, I keep, it keeps popping up and people talk about it all the time. And she watched it and her and I have fair, fairly similar tastes in like horror stuff. And she didn't get it at all. Like she's just like, I don't know. It's kind of like junky and like the editing yeah. doesn't really make sense. And it's just like, there's a yeah. lot of holes and problems in this movie that like mm-hmm. I just don't that's the sort of stuff that just like bothers me but I think there's gonna be a couple other movies that uh, you'll be you've watched this past week that I'm also not a big fan of <laughs> yeah it's a hot week for controversy because yeah. uh from what I understand you just hate fun uh you hate fun no, things well yeah jerk no fun Duncan no, no fun Duncan yeah. no um I don't know like I don't uh I don't think this movie is like fucking um, as amazing as other people think either yeah. But uh, I did enjoy it. Like, I don't hate it. So, right. um, no, I thought it was fine. Have you seen any of the sequels? There's uh, five, right? Yeah. No, well, there's five now. The uh, Ravager just, like, came out in a, well, a couple weeks ago. And I've been yeah. reading very mm, mostly poor things. But it's kind of mixed. It's, like, in the middle mm-hmm. to... It's terrible. It all depends on how you feel about uh, CGI spheres and mm. stuff. Like, yeah, and it wasn't even d- directed by Don Cascarelli. It's directed by this, like, animation guy who comes from, like, working on extreme Ghostbusters and, like, other, like, like that Godzilla cartoon they made after the uh, the first U.S. Oh. movie. Like, that type of thing. And it's just, like, one of those things I'm like, oh. So he's just, like, a fan. Uh, he became friends with Don Cascarelli, and he does, like, art for Rob Zombie. That's kind of his pedigree. And he made a movie this time out using, like, old footage and stuff like that that they've been shooting for years. Years. Yeah. Um, so get to your question. I've only seen the second movie, or at least I started watching it, and I really didn't like the second movie at all. I didn't even mm. finish it. I still 
had the Scream Factory Blu-ray of it because that was one of the first mm-hmm. ones they put out when they started doing Scream Factory. Uh, I just like, it just was like, I don't know. I have to be in the right mood to watch horror comedy. Otherwise it just grates. And uh, I have such a narrow like sense of humor. Um, yeah, that's on me, but I just like found it like really unfunny and kind of shitty and stupid and not worth my time. And there's just like way better movies out there. I'd rather watch. So I, I gave up on phantasm, uh, as a franchise. Why don't you um, tell me how you really feel? <laughs> well, so, I mean, maybe when, uh, that big Blu-ray collection of, uh, one through five come out next year, I'll foolishly buy it and, mm-hmm. and see, I'll give it one more try. Maybe I'll just yep. watch one again, uh, sometime soon and just see, is it that bad, Jarrett? Is it, is it just me? I mean, is there something wrong with me? So, I don't the, know. Well, there's definitely something wrong with you. Yes. But, uh, I was thinking though, too, like I, on rewatching, I don't think I'd like it as much. Like hmm. I enjoyed it this time, but yeah. Oh, there for me. So I mean, maybe that's what it is. Maybe you're you're just watching it so much that you just hate this fucking thing. Ah, uh, not that much. I just only seen it tw- twice. Like, twice now. So I don't know. It's just something about it just doesn't suit me. Because like, people really love that movie too. Like so, it's good for them. I'm glad that yep. people like it. But I wish I wish I could love it as much as other people do. Uh, well, they can't all be winners, right? But I just can't lie to myself. <laughs> It's fine, man. Like um, you don't have to like it. Yeah. Whatever. So what but, else? Uh, what else? Uh, then I del- I delved into some franchises. I'm a franchise Jones this week. I did yeah. all sorts of shit like that. I watched the Demons franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I'm concerned, because I think there were some other spinoffs, but uh, I watched Demons, Demons Two, Night of the Demons, yeah. and then the Night of the Demons remake from 2009. Okay. So that's like two different franchises. That's two? Yeah. Because Night of the Demons not no, part of it? No, it has nothing to do with it. That's uh, mm-hmm. unrelated. They, they, other than it has got demons in the title. I've been duped. No. No, I there's like, like, no, there's like, there's like, yeah, of the actual demons franchise, it jumped, after the first two, there is no thorough line. There's like a string of movies. There's like demons, like they all, it's just like a uh, marketing, kind of what they did with like the Dawn of the Dead movies. And like, yeah. like they try to make like a separate line in it, it, Italy and they started doing the same thing there, but they have nothing to do with one another. There's, there's okay. like the church, which is actually a really cool movie. Uh, and mm-hmm. there's like the ogre, which I think is supposed to be really bad. And yeah, there's like eight or nine of them, but yeah, no, they have nothing to do with one another other than they've got demons. Oh, well, could have fooled me, man. Oh. Uh, I did think that the Night of the Demons worked well as, like, an unrelated sequel as, like, a third one. Oh, sure. Yeah, I know I could, uh, I mean, it's interesting that you thought they kind of fit together, which is kind of neat. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it worked. Uh, Sure. So, anyways, I'll, um, I'll talk about each one a little bit, but I'll just mainly talk about all of them, I guess. Um, okay. <laughs> well, okay, I'll do this. I'll talk about the first two, and then I'll talk about the last two. Sounds since good. That's how they're actually separated. Rock on. Um, so this was f- directed by a dude. Um, I don't remember his name. Lamberto Mario Roberto Bava. Roberto Barva. Mario Batelli, I think, mm. was his name. <laughs> um, so this was uh, presented by Dario Argento, which uh, I was a little bit trepidatious with going in there. I know he didn't direct it, but I was like, uh-oh. Not this guy again. Mm-hmm. Um, not Tenabre, or not, ten- not uh, Trauma. Not- trauma, yeah. <laughs> that movie gives you trauma. <laughs> Classic. Um, anyways, uh, so the first one, um, pretty run-of-the-mill demon stuff. Uh, so all these people get invited to a special screening of a movie. Uh, so they go into the theater, and then uh, the movie plane kind of 
has some hints to some real life action that's happening. And uh, one lady gets poked on a mask and that's all it takes. She is infected with the demons. Mm -hmm. So uh, she puts on a mask, gets poked, then she turns into a demon. And then she gets her girlfriend, uh, bites her, and then she Mm -hmm. gets turned into a demon. And then uh, it seems like it was all an elaborate ruse. Uh, the people are locked into the movie theater, and now uh, the demonness is spreading like a zombie type deal. Yeah. And then it's basically just everybody, uh, everyone in the theater is trying to like hide or fight off the demons. That's pretty much, I think, that's, all the plot is. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So doesn't, uh, doesn't really go beyond that. No, that's it. Um, yeah. You don't need much more. But I thought this. Yes, uh, you do. <laughs> you do. <laughs> I, I do. Uh, well, you do, which is weird, because to be honest, I thought you would the, – these first two movies, I feel like, are JFD picks, so okay. I don't know why you didn't like them. So, like. okay, the first okay, – uh, I will say that so Demons has, like, outstanding practical effects. You said yes. makeup. Like, they're so wicked. Yeah. Um, but the I've, so this is like Demons falls into the exact same camp for me as Phantasm, another movie that like people really like a lot, uh, but it seems like not maybe as strong as Phantasm, but like people have some strong yeah. feels toward it. They consider it kind of like uh, a great example of a 80s horror filmmaking. But mm-hmm. there's just something for me totally missing in the story. Like it's pretty flat. The acting's pretty bad. The characters yeah. aren't interesting, and it never really just kicks into another gear. Mm-hmm. Um, like I like there's like a lot there to like, but it just for mm-hmm. me, I don't know. It's been uh, let's see here. Actually, I wonder if it was the same. I, yeah, I, I watched it February 2013 last time, mm-hmm. um, and that was also a rewatch because I think I'd w- probably rented it or. Uh, uh, yeah, my friends own copies of it. We watched it then, kind of probably around the same time. Those movies just go hand in hand, I suppose. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's just another one of those movies I feel really cold about. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I, I bought, the, I still buy this stuff because I have a problem, which is good for you because then you can borrow them from me. Yes, <laughs> it is excellent. But yeah, so um, yeah, I was like, kind of like, I don't know, I'd, I would probably rewatch the movie again just to see mm-hmm. if it's better or not. Because since you're saying it's it's a Jarrett pick, um, yeah. but then like, so, but, but I did like Demons Two more. Okay, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the plot of Demons Two yeah. now, and then I'm gonna talk about what I liked about both of them because I okay. think they're similar enough that that's fine. So Demons Two is like the same plot, but it's just put into an apartment building instead of a movie theater. Um, so in this one, instead of a mask, they're actually watching basically Demons. the first movie. Yeah. They're watching demons, and then one of the demons comes through a TV and infects one lady, yes. and then uh, she spreads it, and then it's so it's basically this like the same thing. It's just in an apartment instead. Um, that's it. I guess. That's yeah. the whole plot. Yeah. Again, yeah. it's another like super simple plot, but I think like just like that added level because like yeah, because in demons they're watching a movie where like there's yeah. demons being infected in like the post apocalyptic kind of weirdness, mm-hmm. and then demons two is kind of like in. Is it because it's like kind of like also in a weird like you it could be read as like almost like a post apocalyptic setting because you don't see much yeah. of the world outside of that building. And well, at a, the end you do, but yeah. everything's going like tearing down. Right, it's all going to yeah. shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. So, um, so I thought that was really cool that the second one was like kind of acknowledging the first one in like a a cool way where yeah. it's like oh this was like a movie, but also it actually happened and like this is like kind of what exists now. And that's actually why I thought the. Th- night of the demons was connected too because i thought it did something similar right um but i guess i'm just connecting dots that don't exist um like chemtrails mm-hmm. and things like that yeah. um but anyways so the things i liked i i thought both of these movies were pretty good 
Um, I don't think they're great either, but uh, I enjoyed watching them. Uh, they got those classic Argento colors. There's lots of blues and reds and stuff like that flooding the screen, which yep. looks real pretty. Uh, they both have a really cool scene with like uh, the first one. It's like a blue tunnel and the demons are all running out and they, they're just black, but their eyes are glowing. Um, that's really cool. The apartment has one has one similar like that. Uh, the effects are really good in both of them. Uh, there's some pretty cool practical stuff. People getting their faces pulled off or heads squished, exploded, things like that. All all pretty awesome. Uh, there's one uh, one thing I really liked. Uh, there's a dude who's in both of them. And in the first one, he, he's like, he's kind of like, I don't want to say like a pimp, but he's got two girls with him. And he's got like a really super fly coat. And he's wicked cool because he's bald, but he has sideburns yeah. and a mustache, which uh -huh. is like, and not like the fryer tuck where it's like connected to hair. It's like, it's just sideburns, mm -hmm. which I think is really cool. Um, <laughs> so he's in the first one and he's a badass. And then he's in yep. the second one too. And he, uh, he doesn't have the sideburns, but he's got a mustache and he looks equally cool. Mm -hmm. And he's like, uh, the trainer to a gym and there's an yes. awesome gym montage and there's so much hot abs in that and, scene. And, and aerobics. Amazing and aerobics yeah. yeah and it's like uh ladies in like onesie unitards dudes in like speedos basically mm -hmm. all super oiled up and working out so <laughs> that was all really cool um so that's the stuff i liked but there there's some stuff that i thought was like there are certain times it loses me as well there's a weird thing that's in both of these movies where like there's a subplot of like kids driving around in a car, like getting into trouble, like doing yeah. coke and like stuff. And it's in both of them, and they like just stumble on to what wherever yeah. the demons are until they get to the rest of it, like in the like last act. Yeah, and like yeah. I remember it was in the first one. I was like, oh my god, this is so boring. And like they they go in the movie theater and it, and then they just die. And I was like, why are these like was this just filler? Like they needed fifteen extra minutes, so they added all this shit. Mm -hmm. um, and then they like they won't basically do it again in Demons Two. And I was yeah. like, why are they doing this? Like <laughs> such a bizarre thing. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. so that kind of stunk. But uh, I don't know. Um, the Demons and Demons Two I thought were pretty solid flicks. Like mm -hmm. I would if anyone was interested in like Italian eighties practical effects i'd say maybe give it a give it a go sure. those two are i think those like demons and demons 2 are the best um of the bunch that i watched so demons 2 for sure i you could just watch demons 2 without yeah. any of the other ones um and then i watched uh so night of the demons from 1988 which i thought was a third <laughs> movie in here because i thought i thought it was actually like connected because they did something kind of similar where it was like uh a gr so in this one there's gr a group of teens who get invited to a party and the party is held by like this kind of weird girl who's like the out not like an outcast like because obviously she's like friends with the cool kids so she kind of so so they go to the party but she's also kind of like a weird duck like she's into occult is occult stuff or like seances and shit because she's like well i want to have a halloween party in a seance so like all these kids go to this party and it's at like this secluded house out near like a, a graveyard or something and uh, i thought a lot of the scenes were very similar like when the teens were going to this house uh similar to the first demons movie the movie they're watching in it is like teens at a graveyard and they discover the mask and then that's how they get infected and in, in the movie 
in the first demons. You, you see what I'm saying? Can you you following me, man? Nope. Okay. And well, anyways, <laughs> I thought so. There's a movie in the first demons, and I thought this one followed like a similar trajectory. So I was like, oh, so maybe this is like what the actual movie was supposed to be in the first demons. Mm-hmm. But I guess not. So in, in made in whatever. America. <laughs> yeah, and it, well, yeah, it was made in America. I thought they just like bought the rights or they're like fuck it we'll just make our own demons now um fortunately uh demons are are not subject to intellectual properties they are they belong to all of us all of us so i guess it's not connected so whatever but um so night of the demons uh, yeah night of the so i kind of already gave a plot uh like horny teen kids going to a house to party and drink and i thought this one was pretty good too actually um it's not great uh but it's got again it's got some pretty cool special effects um there's a really gross scene where a girl puts a lipstick tube into her boob mm-hmm. and it's like the it's i'm the effect is like flawless like it looks like it's actually going in there and i'm just you're just like Ugh, gross yeah um so that was really gross uh you get scenes of girls uh dancing fat dudes drinking uh yeah people getting slashed one dude gets his arm broken off in a coffin yeah pretty solid effects like yeah <laughs> uh i think this one also has uh one of the more appealing stories to me or storylines i guess sure. like te- teens in a secluded house who doesn't like that yeah hubba hubba um i don't know that's it that's really. it yeah it's the same uh, as all the other ones one one gets infected and then infects the others and then the rest are on the run that's same, it yep, same old shit but yeah uh for me this one i just i like the most of the of these demons films, uh, I like this one quite a bit. It really it hit on that perfect note of like I was kind of like thinking like I wanted like an eighties horror movie, and this movie yeah. like really hits on all those things. This is kids hanging out in a park and dancing stupidly and like being dumb, drunk, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, the practical effects are pretty great. Uh, there's some really like just like off putting stuff, yeah, involving boobs mm-hmm. and like mirrors and broken glass and. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I remember my feelings on this movie were pretty positive. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, this, it's actually got kind of a story, unlike Demons and Demons 2. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, None of the Demons is, I'm on the same page with you. I probably feel, actually, I like it a little bit more, I think, than you do. But uh, yeah. But what about no, that yeah. But what about that it. remake? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so <laughs> I've been waiting to talk about this because... A new champion has taken the top spot for worst movie of the month. The 2009 remake of Night of the Demons, directed by a guy named Adam Girash. Uh, it's probably not pronounced like that, but whatever. He sucks. Uh, who actually, he's done like some other cheap looking horror movies. And uh, I think he did a segment in that Tales of Halloween anthology, which uh, I have coming up. So maybe I'll find out which one is his and just take a huge dump on it when it comes up or something i don't know uh so this movie fucking blows uh same premise there's like a girl who invites people to a party she rents out an old house except it's like a huge party with like lots of young college people and there's like all sorts of drinking and then uh she gets infected by they find some skeletons in the basement and one of the skeletons bites her uh, and this is former uh, Hollywood actress Shannon Elizabeth. Um, also, your buddy Edward Furlong is in this uh, movie. He's doing uh, well for himself. Ed. Hey, Ed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, exact same plot almost like 
teens in a house and then demons come out. Um, but they soup it up with 2009 uh, quality CGI and uh, they take away the plot basically. Like this whole movie is just fucking pointless. Okay, um, so here are the things I didn't like about this movie. It's got horrible fucking CGI. It really sucks. Uh, it looks like it was made in the 90s. Um, which, I mean, doesn't bother some people, but I think it looks like garbage. Uh, it's got, like, really weird stock audio bites, like like the Wilhelm scream and, like, T-Rex sounds and stuff for, like, the... De- like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. r- really, like, whatever's, like, public domain on a soundboard, that's what they used for, like, the demon sound effects. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, it's got, it's got that really... It feels like a 90s movie because of the way it's like shown. It's so when you go in, when they go to the party, it does the camera does that thing where it like zooms into a dude who's like smoking a bong and blows the smoke out, oh. and then the camera pans. That's and like, it's like a Tarantino shot. Oh, I guess. Like, yeah. Um, I, I know just, I, that, that's because like, he does that in like a uh, Pulp Fiction, I think. It's like this real mm-hmm. intense like zoom in and, and then there's a pan over. I, or yeah, I think like yeah. P.T. Anderson does it too. <laughs> well, okay. So, but when those guys do it, it looks good. When yeah, these right. guys do it, it just looks like fucking garbage because yep. they're, they're like copying stuff or they're copying things and they think that it looks cool mm-hmm. and it's just like it'll do that and then it'll pan to a dude like pouring beer on his face and then it'll pan to like i don't know like the weird dude with long hair like eating a bug and you're just like oh man this sucks uh so it's like it has like those weird fast forward montages um i don't know man this movie is garbage they're like it doesn't even make sense either like the there's no like rules to the powers the demons have when there's like three people left they like trick or so like the people who are still alive they're like we just have to wait out the sun because when the sun comes sun comes out the demons will go away and it's like okay and so the sun comes out and then they're like leaving the house and then when they get to the door the sun goes away and all the clocks reset and it's like oh the demons played a trick on you but it's like so can they alter reality Cause like that doesn't make any sense. Like if they have the ability to do that, like they can do anything. Like why are they even in this fucking well, house? Like messing with these people to begin with? I guess yeah. I mean that's just like I'm sure the idea is that well they can distort your perception and make you think that it's this time instead of actually mm-hmm. changing time. But who cares? <laughs> but then they but then they can't actually kill them because then they pop out and they still run away. It's like that doesn't make any sense. No. Um. There's a really weird scene it's with dream Edward. logic, man. Dream logic, yeah, it's fucking dump logic. How about that? Boom. Uh, there's a w- really weird, unnecessary scene with Edward Furlong where before he goes to the party, he's like meeting with a drug dealer who's getting a blowjob while he's talking to him. And then like in the house, he's like, oh, I got to get money from my dealer or else he's going to like break my knuckles or something. But then it, but like he dies anyways. It doesn't oh, mean anything. This sound like, uh, this sound like Hellraiser Hellworld. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, So anyways, I'm not going to talk about this movie anymore. This movie sucks. Yep. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Great. So, uh, yep. Well, uh, I watched uh, a movie that's got Demon in the title, and I watched a bad remake. So Mm. I'm going to start with those two. Uh, So I watched an Italian movie called The Demon from 1963. Surprisingly enough, it isn't a prequel to Demons. Um, okay. because movies that have title demon in it aren't necessarily part of the same franchise, RJ. Yes, they are. <laughs> so yep. the demon is like, uh, it's got a, it has a really evocative cover when I came across it and it's a movie I'd never heard of. 
Um, and yeah, cause it's really not much of a horror movie other than it kind of plays with, um, kind of horror tropes, like as, as far as the storyline goes. So the story is about this Italian woman, uh, living mm-hmm. like a, in a small rural community who is in love with a man and she places a curse on him and Ooh, she lives yeah. in a very, kind of a superstitious, uh, area where like these ideas are still very much believed to be true. Yes. Um, and so the story is like a stripped down medieval folk tale almost. Uh, and cause like the film opens up like this is movies, this film has been researched and this is how things are really are like, uh, mm-hmm. there. And so the story just kind of follows this woman, like going through the process of placing a curse on this guy. And she thinks she's in league with the devil. Um, her family hates her cause she's crazy and acts weird and inappropriately. So she gets beat by her father. Um, and just like, she's just, she's she's just a pariah within her own like family and her own community. And then, uh, there's like a point where like in this, they go up this like rock or or up this rock face and they're all carrying rocks on their backs, uh, to atone for their sins. It's all very Catholic, but like kind of an offshoot of that. Mm. Um, and guys are being whipped, but it's all, this is like set in like 1963 like this isn't a period piece i should stress this so it's like but it's set in this rural area where it's like it could be you know 100 years prior but like in this community outside of vehicles and like kind of some modern stuff you their their mindset still really removed and she kind of says that she's been like talking with the devil in which case there's now like oh we better uh take care of this and perform an exorcism so you actually get like uh you get like an early spider walk scene um, in 1963 here, predating The Exorcist, uh, when they would have scripted that out. So I imagine William Freakin probably did, was aware of this movie. So um, you're saying he ripped them off. He might have sampled a little bit. Um, what a hack. What a hack. And, yeah. um... Yeah, no, so this movie's just got, like, uh, it's, a, it's like, a really well-made movie. Uh, I'm sur- this would be a perfect addition to, like, the Criterion Collection or something like that. It's it's real classy. It's well-made. Uh, the acting's really good. Uh, the actress who plays it, she's, like, super intense. Um, yeah, I don't know really much more to say about it other than I'm well, kind of surprised it doesn't have more of a wider reputation. Um, yeah. I think it might improve once, like, maybe more, like, uh, tastemaker types, like, on Letterboxd or critics actually find out about this movie um because right. i had to watch my copy illicitly because it's not available at all widely and oh my uh gosh. you yeah, incriminated yourself that's fine people should watch this movie maybe the people who have the rights should kick this loose and so people mm-hmm. can watch it so yeah that's a recommend for me for the demon uh if you want kind of a more like serious drama that deals kind of with kind of witchcraft but it's not but it's like left ambiguous enough that it's like no it could just be more about like the psychological breakdown of this poor woman who just is in love with a man who's marrying another woman essentially it mm. and it's got a real violent ending in line with martin <laughs> oh uh, that yeah, sounds cool yeah it's real kind of a grimmer uh, and then i followed that up with a horrendous remake uh, a legendary uh, film, uh, The Wicker Man, from 2006. Oh, man. You've never seen that? Never saw it because the huh. word of mouth poisoned that well for me way back when. And because considering I also loved The Wicker Man, the original yeah. Anthony Schaefer movie. Uh, and so I just did not watch this. And then I realized, hey, I think it's it's it's, been, it's actually it was just its 10th year anniversary since it was released because it was like September 1st of 2006. So I'm like, well, I'm going to watch Wicker Man. Uh, I have to watch some uh, remakes for horror stuff anyway. So we watched that movie uh, the other week. And it, I mean, it's probably the same thing that you probably had watching Night of the Demons where it just starts like underlining yeah. uh, how bad some filmmaking can be. 
Like it just mm-hmm. like this movie just fundamentally blows every big moment from the original movie. Uh, and I don't even know if it's because like Neil LeBute knew what he was doing. Like I don't know. He yeah. had one like Neil LeBute was at one point kind of an interesting up and coming director, and then that just stopped happening. And then he started making yeah. this junk. Like uh, I feel like there was about three different things happening in this film where the director had an idea, the screenplay had an idea, and Nicolas Cage had an idea of what the material mm-hmm. should be. Uh, Nicolas Cage is just hilarious. Uh, in this film like he's, yeah he's he, awesome he doesn't take anything of this movie seriously i don't think so it's like he's always bad so it's just terrible like when he's like being woken up mm-hmm. like by when he's his doing startled it's just like oh <laughs> like he makes you <laughs> make startled sounds and uh his delivery of lines like i don't know he actually reminds me of uh ted levine's performance of buffalo bill <laughs> At times, oh, yeah, like yeah. this is kind of slow, slow, slow words like this. And what how the, did it burn? Well, what, what is this all going? What's going on around here? It's yeah. just, it's just Nick. It's like comical Nicolas Cage in this horror film, and right. I don't even know if you could really call this a horror film. Like it really doesn't play that well as, as a horror movie um, because when it gets to like the actual like horrific bits in the original Wicker Man, it blows all those scenes. Yeah. Like if if you recall, like there's like the thing where. Um, uh, um, Edward, oh god, I'm blinking on his name. Furlong, Edward Furlong, yeah, in the in 1970s Wicker Man, when he's coming up through the caves after saving uh, the girl, and there's like the big reveal of Christopher Lee and all the people, and it's all played yeah. silently, but it's like the camera's kind of from a low angle, and then it slowly reveals all these people. Mm-hmm. Nah, we're not going to do that in the remake. Everybody knows what's going to happen, so we're just going to film it just like in the most bland way possible, with no like tension whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I found out that the whole like the not the bee scene wasn't actually in the theatrical version at all. That is a addition. Oh, no? Yeah, no, it's like hmm. that, that was like a, that's like a special feature because uh, we we had to actually watch it on YouTube and it's like it sounds like the sound wasn't done properly because what happens in the movie is he gets kind of like captured by the people and then when he's going to be brought toward the wicker man uh that's when they like break his legs and they put the bee hat on him they cut that all out and then they just like overdub him saying no my legs you've broken my legs like yeah it's just comical like no wonder people shit on this movie mm-hmm. um it's just like i don't know there's there's one point where we started like uh enjoying this movie because because uh, the whole movie has this like you could argue misogynistic bent to it because um because he's punching uh, ladies and kicking well, th- ladies. And- well, there's that, but there's more like the whole like uh, uh, Ellen Burstein character. She's sort of like the Queen Bee character where she's like, yeah. uh, like she's like everyone, like she has the drones and all the men have been whipped and like this is what a matriarch, this is what the matriarchy looks like, fellas, so watch out. And yeah. we started like clicking into this. It's like, yeah, so this is kind of like Donald Trump is Nicolas Cage and he's oh, like no. and he's fighting against the matriarchy. It's like almost like you could read it from this perspective and it's like go stop Hillary Clinton <laughs> and she's this is what's going to happen and mm-hmm. it's so funny. Then it's, then it becomes funny and then you're like, "Oh, yeah, this movie's got weirdness to it." Because Neil LaBute also directed um oh god, In the Company of Men. That was like his first big movie with Aaron Eckhart old Two-Face himself. And that movie is like uh, legendary for its like just misogynistic main character who's just a horrible like misanthrope of a man and he just mm-hmm. destroys women left and right and it kind of plays with that so like Neil Butte has kind of had this reputation as a guy who's got maybe problems with women he's had these accusations at least I don't say that those things are true but he's got like a streak in his work that you could say hey wait a minute mm-hmm. that, that exists but yeah The Wicker Man is just like so it's, it's an example of bad filmmaking like everything in it is just bad decision after bad decision 
Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was just listening to an interview with uh, uh, the director, Oz Perkins, who's got some movies coming out uh, over on another podcast. And that guy comes off as really smart. And he, he's, I think it's because he's echoing things I've said, so he must be smart. But he was just oh, talking about how a, a director, like, really is defined by their own taste and, like, what their make, filmmaking is, is their taste. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes, like, a director, when they start blowing stuff or they do things consistently weird, uh, it's like, well, that's them and that's their taste and whether or not people click into that. Uh, that's going mm-hmm. to really impact their viewing, which I think we'll be talking about a few movies from now uh, when you start talking about Robert Zombie's uh, oeuvre. That oh, you've, uh, man. Yeah. It finally happened. Yeah. So uh, a couple more, couple more 90s movies I'll just talk about, and then I'll yep. vent back to you. I uh, watched sure. uh, Stephen King's Sleepwalkers, directed by mm-hmm. Mick Garris. Uh, this was kind of a rewatch, but I'm not sure if I've ever actually seen this movie in its entirety. More like um, shit, Garris. Yeah, shit, Garris. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. kind of no good. Uh, but yeah, Sleepwalkers. Uh, what can I say? It's got Shelly from Twin Peaks in it, so she's really pretty, but she's not much of an actress. Uh, oh. This movie's got lots of incest angles going down, like full core, core boy fucking his mom scenes. But they're adults, so it's okay, full right? Full core? Full core. Just pound, pounding away. Um, Jesus. Uh, Otho from Beetlejuice shows up, and he's like a uh, chicken hawk, uh, but then he gets his hand torn off, and he's dead. I don't know. Did you say he's a chicken hawk? A chicken hawk, yes. That's the term. What does that mean? Uh, it's like a boy-hungry man. He, he likes. To, he's a student who like, or he's a teacher who knows that his students lying, and he's going to blackmail them through sexual favors. But he doesn't go very far with that. He just gets his hand torn off and gets murdered by Catman. Jesus. Yeah, uh, Sleepwalkers. I don't know. There's nothing much to talk about with this movie. Uh, some of the effects are kind of okay, but still not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It, it's a junky movie. I mean, that's my new word, junky. Junk? Well, it D- sounds like junk. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've watched a lot of Stephen King movies this year, and uh, yep. this was one that was like kind of like, well, I guess I should get around to watching that one. It's a big enough movie. And mm-hmm. yeah, pretty... Low, definitely low tier Stephen King. Um, yeah, not much to recommend about this one. It's just not that great. The practical effects are just okay, but kind of like more hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like you just look up Sleepwalkers on Google Image Search, and you'll just laugh at some of the stuff that they cooked up in that movie. Oh, um, that's too bad. Not much more to say about that, but. Then I watched Eric Red's Bad Moon from 1996, Ooh, and okay. that movie really impressed me with how good it was. Um, it's a story told kind of from the perspective of the dog, the German Shepherd uh, Thor. It's based on the ah yes. It's based on the yep. book uh, called Thor, and yeah, I mean, you tell you tell a movie about a dog, and I'm going to be like, yes, please. And when it's a horror movie too, and it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is totally up my alley. And um, so, yeah, it's just a story about a man uh, who's like done on some sort of expedition down in South America with his lady friend. Um, and they come across uh, a werewolf and mm-hmm. he just fucking murders this woman to death, like horrifically at the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And so he gets bit. He moves back to, I guess, Washington State where his uh, sister and nephew were living. Mm-hmm. And he's living out of a, camp, of a camper now, but he's also turns into a werewolf every night and uh, marauds his way across the landscape, killing passerbyers and uh, while also trying to conceal this so he can go on living. 
Um, yeah. but you don't, you don't really get the sense that he's actually trying to cure himself. He seems to be just like resigned well, to this. He's is fine what, with it. He's fine with this. Um, and so on the flip side, yeah, you have, uh, his sister, uh, who's a lawyer, uh, raising her son, um, in the kind of the, this nice little Northwest area. Um, and with their dog, Thor, um, and they, mm-hmm. they get word that he's come back to visit the uncle, uncle werewolf that they don't know he's a werewolf yet. And yeah, the movie just kind of plays like that. It's super simple, but it seems to subvert a lot of cliches because it kind of treats the audience like adults saying, okay, you know what a werewolf is, you know, the tropes, uh, mm-hmm. and we're just going to play with that. So Eric Red, so he's the guy who directed movies like the hitcher, um, wrote near dark, for uh, Catherine mm-hmm. Bigelow. So, I mean, he's he's no stranger to the horror stuff. Oh, this, he also directed the other movie, Body Parts, which is pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've pretty well enjoyed everything he's been involved with. I still have to watch that um, Blue Steel with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, with uh, Ron yeah. Silver as the bad guy serial killer dude, uh, which I do have a copy of on hand, so I'm going to get around to that. But, yeah, Bad Moon is just uh, super fun, well-made. Uh, the biggest thing you could say against this movie is that the wolf transformation scene is god-awful because it's pure yeah. like pure 96 CGI. Mm-hmm. But the actual werewolf costume, I think it might be one of my favorite werewolf-like outfits I've ever seen. Yep. Uh, I agree with you completely because uh, I didn't actually see that you saw this movie because you watch so many movies, your uh, letterbox gets flood- flooded. But uh, I watched this a couple months ago, and uh, when I watched it, I was really impressed with the opening. Uh, as you said, that lady gets murdered. Uh, he actually like bats her head fucking clean off her body, and it's insane. Uh, I think the werewolf costume looks fucking awesome. And uh, you're right. like It's a good story where um, it doesn't really fall into a lot of – uh, holes that movies like this usually fall down. So, um, when I watched it, I liked it. And, uh, then I watched some more werewolf movies and I think it kind of came back to me how good th- that one actually was compared to other ones. Right. Cause like after that, I watched stuff like, uh, the howling and dog soldiers and, uh, they, they're just not very good. So, um, the Howling, I don't think is good, even though a lot of people love that movie. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. So, uh, the Howling, if anyone was interested in this movie, uh, the first like 10, 15 minutes of Howling are fantastic. They're like wicked. And then the rest of the movie just like has nothing to do with it. And it sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, the first 10, 15 minutes of that movie are like, Hey, Brian De Palma just directed a werewolf movie. And it's like, it's, so it's Joe Dante who directed it, but man, it's like super like sleazy seventies, red light district, uh, mm-hmm. werewolf action. It's really good and kind of scary too. I remember being like, kind of like, what is this? This is excellent. And then it turns into like, uh, commune movie on the coast of Los Angeles and, yeah. or California. It's just like, meh. Yeah. That movie goes just nowhere real fast, which sucks about the howling. But Bad Moon's yeah. great. Yeah, Bad Moon's a hard recommend from both of us, I think. That movie's wicked. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and uh, also got to mention uh, Mason Gamble, who plays the the son in the movie. It's uh, mm-hmm. Dirk Calloway from the film Rushmore. He's uh, Max Fisher's, huh. like, uh, right-hand man. And yeah. I was like, oh, hey, I haven't seen that kid in anything forever because he probably doesn't look anything like when he did uh, when he was, like, 12. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think he's really been in – oh, he was Dennis in Dennis the yeah. Menace. I, yeah, that's where I knew, or that's where I recognized him uh, from. And he's so. in Ar- Arlington Road. He's in Gattaca. Yeah, no, he's kind of dropped mm-hmm. off, though. His last credit was in something called Golf in the Kingdom, and that was in 2010. Hmm. Uh, well, that's too bad. Hey, yeah. wasn't this movie made in Canada, or am I completely making that up? I have no idea. 
Oh, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back to you, sir. Back to me. I just put a cough drop in. That's the oh. perfect time. Okay. Um, so as you alluded to before, I watched my first Rob Zombie movie, Jared. Not just the first. I watched two Rob Zombie movies. Mm-hmm. Are you proud? I'm very glad that you got that out of the way. So all my suspicions about Rob Zombie are have been uh, confirmed. Authentic, confirmed. He is gross. Yep. Um, so I watched uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween re- remakes. And uh, I don't think they're anywhere near as bad as people say. Yeah. But I do think that a lot of people don't realize that these movies are comedies and not <laughs> horror movies. And I can detail it for you in uh, hard hitting facts. Um some of this. Okay, wait. Should I talk about these movies? People know what these movies are about, right? Yeah, I think I think Halloween's pretty well covered ground. Okay, so everybody knows Halloween. Uh, Jared even talked about them on the Criterion Creeps I earlier, did. In the, uh, like a month or two ago. So, if you want to hear about it, you can go there as well. Uh, so I watch these. Uh, I think the first one is pretty good. Um, I have no major qualms with it. Uh, there's just there are a few things that it's like, oh, that's kind of that's weird, but uh, it's not like. I don't feel like he hurt the franchise or offended me or my history or anything like that. Like a lot of people, people who don't like this movie seem to kind of be hurt by it for some reason. And or they just don't like it because Rob Zombie is gross. So I think yeah. that's maybe fair because um, Rob Zombie is gross uh, <laughs> there. But there's <laughs> look, stuff- look at those nasty dreadlocks. Look at those nasty dreadlocks. Um, I just so I was watching this movie and it's it played out like. I, I found it like so uncomfortably funny. It's like, I don't know if that makes me a bad person or if, yeah. like there's stuff like the intro where it's all about like the deadbeat dad. Step, uh, stepdad, bad Step, dad. Yeah, bad dad. And he's just like so shitty. He's like oh, he's knocking just... the dishes off the table. He's like, make it or clean it up, bitch. Yeah. Like when he did that, I put my hands on my head and I was just like, no way. I was oh, like, no way is this fucking, really happening. He's got his movie. comments about his stepdaughter. Oh, you got a nice little shitter on you. And oh, yeah. Well, and it, there's like one thing where he's uh, they find out like young Michael was like killing cats and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, he looks at him. He's like, you think you're a big man? <laughs> and like, it's weird because he's like saying the exact what he's like making fun of him about is the same thing he's doing, like literally as he's doing it. But he's just like, you think you're a big man? Take out little uh, animals. He's like, you know what? That just makes you a fake. It's like, it's like, okay, man. All right, Rob Zombie. I know exactly what you're into. Um, I feel like if this, I don't know. I feel like if this wasn't like Halloween, if it was just like a slasher movie that Rob Zombie made, maybe it would have like went over better. I don't, I don't know. Like I, I probably, I have have no like, I I don't know why people don't like this movie. I just know people don't like these movies. Um, but no, I thought the first one was pretty good. Like, uh, I think you described it really well as uh, mean. This movie is fucking mean. Um, but uh, it's also kind of gross. Like, what's up with those guards that just rape women in Michael oh. Myers' prison cell? Like, it's such a bizarre scene. It's like, did you guys think this was going to work? Like, there's cameras fucking everywhere. Oh, and yeah. they're, but like, you know making what? fun of a dude who's, like, 6'8". Hey, like, you, know, you know what, though? Like, fucking Tarantino does the exact same thing in Kill Bill, and no one gives a shit. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Exact same fucking thing, but it's somehow it's like cooler because it's 
fucking Tarantino and he gets a pass what, for life. But it's like, what no, year it, did that come out? Uh, what, 2003? So only a couple years before. Mm-hmm. And like, for some reason, like, it's totally okay that Chuck likes to fuck or whatever. And, buck. uh, Buck, yeah. In the, um, the shagging wagon. <laughs> Yeah, I'll go on record saying I don't like that scene either. So right, um, no. See, that's the thing. Okay, that's the thing with uh, rape in film is like you're not supposed to like these scenes. And I yeah. mean, I think in both both guys are like kind of doing the scenes for laughs to I think alleviate the like gross tension and discomfort you're going to feel. Which I don't mm-hmm. know. It's like it's like so you could have it like you could either not have the scene. You could just like not have rape in your films. Rape doesn't exist in movies. You mm-hmm. could have it, but try to like make it funny which is fucked up mm-hmm. um or you play it for like being real like unpleasant gross horrifying act that it is in all its like detail which is also really unpleasant <laughs> yeah. um there's no real like i don't know i guess the best solution is to not have it in your stories um which i think a lot of people would be perfectly okay with um mm-hmm. like i don't know i don't think it's necessary but it's strange it shows up in horror stuff often cuz it is so horrifying yeah. Um, or it should be. Some people, I think, are seem to be okay with it too. But ugh, that's a yeah. different. That's a different topic. Anyways, yeah. So so that that's yeah. That, that's a per- t- like that's typical zombie. Because I mean, in Halloween two, uh, there's uh-huh. the, the, the 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 two uh, guys from the coroner's office delivering the bodies. They're they're talking about cracking into some cold ones, and it's the same stuff. So exactly like. <laughs> So I popped in Halloween 2 and I was watching it and then like that's right at the fucking start. And again, I had a moment where I like my hands just went on my head and I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Like (laughs) there's no way Rob Zombie is like, like he's fucking with people, isn't he? Like because I know he I think deep down this like this is just his world. Like he sees I don't know. He's cheeseball. Is what I He's think is, cheese ball, yeah. but at the same time, it's like you know what you're doing, right? Like you're just you're fucking with well, people. So the most common thing that I've heard from a lot of people who just don't like his movies, um, I'm like kind of in the middle to the positive, I guess, with Zombie. I find him interesting in everything yeah. he makes. Um, but I would agree with this: is that he needs a writer. He writes like he almost yeah. writes all his own stuff. So his dialogue is his dialogue. He's getting the performances mm-hmm. that he wants. Um, he has this like I don't know. He's not referencing reality. I don't think unless he's like uh, there's like when Hulk Hogan was like called out about like dropping his n bombs in that secret recording of his sex tapes oh, and yeah. stuff like that. He was saying, "Well, dude, you know, uh, back where I come from, this is how everyone talked with me growing up and stuff." I'm like, "Really, really, Hogan." Ter- yeah. Terry, it's like Terry. is that is that how people talked? And I'm like, I wonder if like Rob Zombie says the same thing, or if he knows, that, or he would. I don't know if he's that dumb, but he'd, he'd probably just say like, yeah, it's like that's like a stylization. It's an affectation of the zombie verse where like yeah. everyone just says, hey motherfucker, dumb motherfucker, I'm gonna cut you open, you cunt and bitch and blah blah mm-hmm. blah. Rob Zombie times, right? Rob it's, Zombie times. It's what he does, and it's like yeah. I mean, so I guess like if you keep watching Rob Zombie movies and you hate his dialogue and you complain about it, it's like well, you probably should just stop watching Rob Zombie movies. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. People are I don't know. They keep running into it. But hey, you know, you haven't talked Buttons. about what actually brought you to wanting to watch these Rob Zombie movies, and it comes in the form of Mr. Brad Dourif. Brad Dourif, uh, exactly. So uh, to finish on the first one, I thought it was fine. Uh, I I'm not offended or not offended. I I don't you, think it's bad. You don't or you don't like hate that. these movies. Yeah, no, I don't or, hate or them. the first uh, one anyway. <laughs> the first one, I think. Well, I think the second one is bad, but that's kind of like what you were saying. Um, because I feel like so the first one, Rob Zombie had like a template to go off of, and then for the second one, it's like 
because as you said, he writes his stuff, but I feel like he didn't really have like any idea on where to take it. Like he, he just kind of went with it. He's like, well, this is kind of what would happen. And I, I don't think it like makes sense really. But, um, so anyways, yeah, I watched these movies because of my main man, Brad Dourif. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately he's only in the first one for like four or five minutes, for like maybe. a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. For a cup of coffee, but he does do, um, a good job with his delivery in that first one. Uh, and then the second one, he's in a lot and, uh, he's really fucking good in it, yeah. uh, as always. And he's got a super sweet ponytail and a fucking <laughs> badass handlebar mustache. Um, his hair in movies is unbelievable. Like, I don't know if like it's his choice. Oh, it's his it's choice. A, like, like maybe it's in his contract. It's like, I'll do your movie, but I get to decide how my hair is kind of like how Nick Cage went through that long hair phase for a while where he's just like, I'm not going to comb my hair. <laughs> um, stuff like that. But yeah, Brad Dourif is a major player in the second one. And I thought he was really good. I thought, uh, he uh his scenes with his daughter were really good and that was like one of the other reasons i didn't like it like uh i just thought it was kind of dumb like what michael myers was doing like he goes back to that house and he like kill like kills brad durf's daughter and it's like man that sucks they were doing so well Mm -hmm. and uh angel or laurie strode is just shitty um the op as you've said the opening is very good at the hospital that's all pretty awesome stuff yeah. um i think he actually does like a fairly okay job showing like how fucked up people would be after they have like this horrible event happen to them mm-hmm. like laurie strode just has like seizures i guess and yeah. like nightmares and stuff like that like but on, the, on the flip side she gets all dark and starts listening to Alice cooper <laughs> yeah and gets fucking dirty dreadlocks oh, like yeah she gets a, a lower back tattoo yeah that's what happens when you've like lost lost people close to you you you, you act out and become real dark yeah and that's the darkest thing you could possibly be is into, like it's just it's like the darkest it's timeline. like the boringest thing teenagers could possibly do without any of those yeah. things happening in your life and those are what he decides to do as shorthand it's that that yeah. I, those, those are like eye rolling things and I don't know when yeah, when Michael I that was yeah, dumb. yeah when when Michael Myers isn't fucking just butchering people in Halloween two that movie's not so good. But no, when, and like the whole middle is kind of like where he's just like wandering around. Like there's that scene where those people in the truck just like find him and he kills him. It's like what does that have to do with anything? Nothing. Like may, maybe someone watched it and they're like he needs to kill more people. Add a scene with him just killing random people. Yep. Um, I thought his like beard and hair was kind of dumb. Like, his, I guess that's what would happen. His, uh, his man of steel, grows. his man of steel look. Yeah, exactly. Like it's <laughs> the same thing, except he's like trying to kill people. That's right. Um, Loomis is pretty ridiculous in oh, this fucking my, movie. Malcolm McDowell's goddamn mustache in that movie. Yeah, his mustache. Well, I thought his mustache was fine, but uh, oh, I don't know, man. I just oh, he's. Terrible. I thought I thought too was just kind of kind of clunky or like junky to steal your word oh oh you know what else was really dumb so you know how Lori goes like to alice cooper and stuff she has over her bed she has a fucking poster of charles manson yeah like how like what how does that make any fucking sense she's like traumatized by like this dude who was trying to kill her so she like puts up an infamous like serial killer type guy yeah on on her wall like Uh, yeah a a figure of murder yeah that makes total sense It's like I saw that and I was like, that's so fucking dumb. It was like, we need to make her room look dark and edgy, man. Well, and it's yeah. like, 
it's get it's, one of the Manson posters. Yeah, it's that it's those broad strokes that uh, I think that's where Rob Zombie really fails. He he utilizes those things really like well, people will know what that means, and they know what like Charles Manson means scary and creepy. So I'm gonna put that up, mm-hmm. even though it's like well, that's like not like couldn't you think this out more? And like, do people have to get it? Like, or do you have to have that there? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But he's like, that's what teenagers um, think, man. And it's like I'm sure he could ex- make excuses for all sorts of decisions he makes. But anyway, yeah. Brad Dourif in uh, Halloween 2, though, man, that scene when he finds his daughter, that's like, that's oh, like so brutal. It's it's fucking brutal, and that's what I mean too. Like, cause you actually like that was the only time in either of these two movies that I actually cared for anybody was like uh, when you see in the intro Brad Dourif's like making breakfast with their daughter, and mm-hmm. they have such a nice like rapport. That, like you you totally buy it. It's like yeah, this guy's like just trying to be there for his kid and she seems like a good kid too and they're just trying to like get through life together yeah and it's yeah so his stuff is all really good and it's just mm-hmm. fucking yeah it tears you up man when well, you see that yeah but. like no there's like so many like good things about what he i think zombie was doing because like this idea mm-hmm. that there's actually a survivor from the first yeah. movie. So it's like, okay, yeah. so it's not really, a, it's not quite a slasher. And she actually mm-hmm. survived. And on top of that, she's got all the scars, like all the brutalization yeah. still there. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. horrific. Like you never see that in anything. Like even mm-hmm. in those like Friday, the like or the Nightmare on Elm Street movies where there's survivors, they don't like bear any like damage yeah. or markings. They're just fine. And then they just die. And like, this mm-hmm. sort of carries on that trope. But it's like, oh no, they're like real survivors of like this, like really messed up incident. And then they, and then they still get killed. And it's like, oh God, they just can't escape. It's like so harrowing, and that's like when yeah. um, the film's like at its best. But then there's all the like art house things that he decides because he's yeah. Now, I didn't now even he, talk about that. I know because now now he's an artist, RJ. Yeah, so I thought that was all pretty <laughs> dumb too. Like, it's like so. The one thing actually though is I'm surprised like this movie got made at all. Like, or he was allowed to do all that like abstract art house stuff like for a pretty mainstream movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I didn't like that stuff either. Yeah. Not that it like, I don't know. That's it's for somebody, but it wasn't for me. So I think two is fine. There's just like, I think it has some good moments, mostly the Brad Dourif stuff, but uh, there's also just a lot of really dumb stuff, which is like, ugh, Rob. So anyway, anyway, Rob zombie movies. Um, they're are, fine. Are, are you going to check out devil's rejects? Yeah, I will, but I'll probably wait till next creeptober. Um, as an excuse, I'm not going to watch that like in February. Like okay. it's too dirty. I'll, I'll wait until <laughs> I'm surrounded by filth and then I can yeah. just pile on more, uh, Rob Z stuff. Yeah. So great. Uh, what yeah. else? What else? Ah, uh, then I followed it up with a, uh, cool eighties film that was actually made in Canada, uh, called the brain. So this was my giant brain movie for the month. I was actually going to do, uh, the Fiend Without a Face, which is Criterion, I believe, right? Uh, yeah. Criterion uh, and that's that a in. like a killer brain movie as well, I think. Uh, Doesn't matter. Anyways, yeah. so I watched The Brain from 1988, and it was directed by this guy named Ed Hunt. And you and me watched a movie of his before, the 1979 movie UFOs Are Real, mm-hmm. which was a, a collection of documentaries about UFOs. Um, so I thought that was fun that I had seen a movie of his before. Uh, but anyways, so The Brain. The Brain is uh, a movie about a secret or like a big company that's basically like a steel mill kind of thing. And they have 
it's they have like uh, mental patients and they take in kids and stuff like that. And then uh, so you get the main character. He goes in because he's like a troubled kid. He put a cherry bomb in the toilets. So the principal's like, oh, man, this kid's bad news. So um, they send him to this place to get like a psych evaluation. And uh, what he discovers is that uh, there is a giant brain in the next room. And it's like they're using kids as subjects to like take in the brain waves and like to grow the brain and see if it can like control people and stuff like that. And um, so then the kid finds this out and he tries to tell other people. And then uh, what happens? Um, the company fights back and they like make him out to be like psychotic and he's on the run. Um, and then it's kind of like him uh, and his main girl and trying to fight the machine and fight the power and take out the giant brain, which is like advertising or a metaphor for like advertising or something like that. I don't know. Um, but I thought this movie was really good. Mm. Um, not like great or anything like that, but I enjoyed it. It's got some pretty cool effects. The giant brain looks pretty rad. He's got like big eyeballs and teeth and it's like moving at people and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one scene which is awesome where uh, there's like this dude who – is like a Canadian author or Canadian uh, actor. He's in like a ton of stuff. He's got like a big old beard. Um, what's his George Buzza? Do you know this guy? Not offhand. George Buzza. Um, if you saw him, you'd know exactly who he is. I, I just looked, and he's not in like any other movies. I think he's a TV actor. Um, but anyways, he was in this movie as like a nurse, and he's got an awesome scene where the cops like discover oh, that guy. Yeah, you see, you you know who he is. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I I think he's a t, uh, TV actor mostly, but he was in this, and uh, he's got a really cool scene where he encounters like um, a cop who was like trying to apprehend the kids, and uh, he just pulls an axe out of behind his back and like just chops off his head. Like the guy's head just fucking explodes. It's awesome. So uh-huh. the movie has like a lot of little scenes like that. Like some dude gets chainsawed in the stomach and it's it's kind of unexpected because the way the movie plays out, you don't think anything gnarly like that is going to happen and then it does. Hmm. So no. it was pretty good, man. I would yeah. recommend it to people. Like not for everybody, but if you were looking for like a, a monster movie, um, it was pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, well, uh, okay, cool. Um, do you, you want to take over? Or? Oh, I guess so. Um, okay. So, I checked out a uh, obscure little Brazilian film called O Anjo de Noite from 1974. Um, the title uh, translates to, it's like Night of the Angel or Angel of Night. Uh, it's directed by a guy named Walter Hugo Quarry. Um, I had never heard of this film either. It kind of falls into that camp of like the demon where it's just like it isn't available at all. So I had to uh, resort to uh, illicit means to view this. Um, and the only mm-hmm. copy of this that exists uh, is it's like full frame taped off of like Brazilian television. And it's also for some reason in black and white, even though the film is actually shot in color. But this is the mm-hmm. only way to watch this movie. Um, and it's actually very much in line with the film, uh, house of the devil in some ways. It's about a woman who's hired to basically look after children, uh, at an estate. So it's actually kind of like the innocence as well. Um, <laughs> and so she's like kind of brought in, uh, to look after these kids while parents are away and other, um, servants of this like mansion in the middle of like, uh, the Brazilian, like kind of foresty landscape, uh, our way. 
And it's just like she starts getting obscene phone calls, sort of. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a slow burn film. Um, I don't feel like I could adequately like recommend or not recommend this film because it's really hard to find. Uh, and the version yeah. I watched was super substandard, but <laughs> I, I would love to actually see it just get released. Cause I think every movie should be just available at my fingertips. Uh, either mm-hmm. like, I, I'd love to buy it. I'd love to be able to stream it, whatever, however that happens. But it sucks that there's still movies out there that exist that are just like lost to time mm-hmm. or whatever until somebody gets interest in this stuff. Um, this Walter Hugo Quarry guy, he's got another film I'll be checking out here uh, hopefully in the next week or so before the end of Creeptober uh, rolls around. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll hear back uh, from me about that. Um, so yeah, uh, I also watched a 1939 film uh, from Warner Brothers uh, starring uh, Humphrey Bogart in his like one and Bogey? only uh, horror film called The Return of Dr. X. Uh, so this is the sequel to the 1932 uh, film, I think, uh, Dr. X. It's just your typical mad scientist type of stuff. Um, this is the sequel because we thought Dr. X was dead before, but it turns out he wasn't and he's been on the oh, run. Man. And now he's uh, pretending to be another doctor at another school doing his uh, evil schemings. Uh, and this time he's played by Humphrey Bogart. Mm-hmm. And he's got a rabbit that uh, he does experiments on and walks around with and looks all menacing. He photographs really well. Um but yeah, this is pretty stock, boring, like '30s horror uh, for me. Sure. Uh, I I just like I don't know. I zoned out with this going on. I would look up, and it's just like, oh, here's this the sassy journalist making inappropriate comments, and uh, it's him talking to doctors or to women, and them just like mm-hmm. investigating for like an hour because the movie's only like like what 70 minutes but it it could have been an hour and a half it just just yeah doesn't flow very well not much happens um i can think i can remember the, i'm trying to remember the name of the uh lead actor the, the journalist in this movie too but he like he shows up and stuff and he seems to be like a character trope that shows up in these like films um where it's just like sassy journalist guy who makes comments and talks like this and i don't mm-hmm. know I'm not a fan of that. I think in this one, not a like, fan. Not a fan of it. Um, there's a bit where so he's go. The beginning of the movie is he gets a call. He works for the newspaper and he's going to go uh, investigate, uh, or not investigate. He's going to go interview an actress for a piece. Yeah. He shows up and she's murdered and dead on the floor of her hotel room. His first is to call his uh, editor to tell them that this has happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, ah, uh, it's like, well, you're going to call the, the cops? Ah, uh, let them read about it in the newspaper. <laughs> okay. And that's exactly what happens. Weird. Yeah, it, it's really weird. Um, it's weird, like, man. It's, talk, I think it's a little irresponsible, some might say. Uh, it's maybe a little reckless, yeah. but who, who am I to um, say? So the guy I was trying to think of, it's not, a, it's a different actor, but it's like kind of the same character, uh, Lee Tracy, same type of thing where he's just uh, like this type of character talks like this. And it's like, I don't know. I, it doesn't work for me. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, so the movie just kind of goes to the tropes of like him trying to figure <laughs> out who's killing what or what's going on. There's like the woman, then, then the police show up to find the dead body after it's been reported in the newspaper, but the body's gone. And now it's like, well, where's the body gone to? And it turns out, Oh, maybe she's not dead. Now she's up and walking around. That's kind of weird. And mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Kind of. Yeah. I don't know. I felt the same way about it. It's like the, that walking dead with Boris Karloff. 
It's oh, like yeah. your mileage might, might vary. Like I think people who are really into like 30s horror probably would like it a lot more than I do. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It's not not to my tastes. Uh, I'll just say that. Uh, it's so not in your wheelhouse. I, I decided uh, to go back even a, a decade earlier and watch a silent <clears throat> horror film. Uh, this is Jean Epstein's The Fall of the House of Usher from 1928. Uh, it's a French film. Um, and what to say about that? So the film itself, it's kind of a mashup of Edgar Allan Poe stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and it plays like, I mean, very familiarly, like where guys goes to like a European castle and like all the people in the village are like, whoa, you shouldn't be going up to the old uh, Usher house. Bad things have happened there. Yeah. Like we've seen it all before. Um, and then he gets there. It's the, it's sort of a story. It's like kind of a cross of the house of, uh, the house of Usher Poe story, but it's also like tomb of Legia and stuff like that. I can't, like, it's been a while since I've like, uh, watched like the Corman movies. Cause God knows I don't read. Um, but it seems like it's kind of crosses all these streams of the story. So I was kind of like confused at times, but yeah. on like a technical level, like this movie looks just absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually re- reminded me a lot uh, after the th- fact of uh, the Beauty and the Beast, the Cocteau film, uh, mm-hmm. just like bellowing curtains and like empty halls and just dark rooms, these dark endless chambers and paintings, sort of stories of like love because like the um, the current uh, usher, he's kind of gone insane and he's painting uh, they always paint portraits of their wives and mm-hmm. so you get those sort of images, um, people being dying and then being sealed into tombs, but maybe they weren't dead and now they're going to die in their tomb and that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, like story-wise, I didn't do too much for me. I thought it was just okay, but on a technical level and just like for the photography, which is kind of like a uh, kind of soft focus <laughs> look to it throughout, it's really nice. Like very, uh, what would be the word for Evocative. Evocatively e- shot. Evocative. Yeah, that's, mm. that's a sexy word right there. Um, yeah. yeah, so uh, that movie, like the movie gets talked up like really highly. It's one of e- Roger Ebert's great movies, which I kind of vaguely remembered and looked up. I'm like, oh yeah. And I read his mm-hmm. review of it. He loves this thing a lot. Um, I'm not there with him, but uh, yeah, si- it's a really pretty looking silent film. Better than mm-hmm. like most of the stuff from that period of time. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, uh, the director Louis Benwell was an assistant director on this, but I guess they had a falling out, um, and that didn't pan out. So that's kind of cool, hmm. I guess, if you know who Louis Benwell is. Which I know, RJ, uh, you're a big, big expert. Um, I don't even know what you. I haven't even been listening for the last ten minutes, so I don't know who Louis Benwell is. Perfect. All right. Um. <laughs> <Yep>. So, uh, <laughs> I actually went back and uh, watched a. One of those horror comedies I was mentioning earlier, how I I don't care for them. Well, uh, there's this one called Blood Diner, and that's from 1987, directed by Jackie Kong. Mm -hmm. I had tried watching this movie some time ago, um, even maybe it was this year, and I started watching it, and I was just not feeling it whatsoever, and I turned it off and went, ugh, not for Mm -hmm. me. But then uh, that Vestron video collector series started, and lo and behold, Blood Diner was number two in their releases right after Chopping Mall. So I figured, hmm. like, well, I guess I have to buy this Blu-ray because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a collector of problems. Chump. I'm a chump. And I'm like, well, yeah. I guess I'll give this one a whirl. Uh, and so I actually sat down and watched it. And I liked it well enough. Hmm. Um, it, it, this movie really teeters, though, on that line of, like, uh, not for me, kind of bad to 
it has enough to recommend it in some ways because this yeah. movie like really typifies uh, 80s horror comedy in America. Mm-hmm. Goof, just like it's pretty like you cannot take anything in this movie seriously. All you can really do is appreciate sort of like the weird like overdubbing that everybody has. <laughs> like there's just like characters just like this movie doesn't need to be dubbed, but that's the look they're going for is they want it to be dubbed. Um, and like weird bad effects, like brains with eyes hanging off of them of their like long dead uncle that they've reanimated. <laughs> and that he's like, cause so the movie is actually a, kind of like spiritual sequel to uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Feast, which is like, it's a movie about a practitioner of like ancient Syrian, uh, Assyrian like blood rites. And yeah. so he has to like, well, and it's just a guy and it's like, well, mm-hmm. I'm a practitioner now, 5,000 years after the fact, and I want to sacrifice women to the, my blood gods. And so he lures women in and kills them. Um, and so there's like been a different versions of this story told over the, like since that movie came out with blood feast, there was like this Mardi Gras massacre, uh, yeah. which is like, it's like the exact same type of thing almost. Um, the, but it looks like a slasher, but it's like a weird goofy movie about a guy killing prostitutes and he sacrificed him to a blood God blood diner. Uh, it's these two nephews of, uh, the uncle of a guy who looks like, uh, the character from Blood Feast, who was killed by the police uh, after escaping mm. from an insane asylum, and now they've uh, gone. Uh, now they've grown up. They go dig up their uncle's corpse and they reanimate him using his book of like uh, ancient practices and dark rites. Yeah. And now they're going to bring about what his what their uncle always wanted, which is like this like goddess figure, which has to be assembled from. Uh, body parts of women. So you get a scene with some aerobics and they, uh, one of the brothers shows up wearing a Ronald Reagan mask and machine guns them all down to death. And then, and then the brothers show up, uh, together and like dismember these bodies and haul the good parts of like the butts and the boobs. And they gather them together and build a perfect goddess woman, uh, in their, uh, diner, their vegetarian, their vegan diner that they run. (laughs) Oh man! Um, and they're preparing like all their vegan food using real flesh, but they're presenting it as vegan, and mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's a it's a goofy movie. Um, I was kind of like zoning out on this movie too, but come the end, uh, the, it's like a it's a big giant zombie blood massacre at a uh, nightclub, and it, it's all like with this with this new goddess that they've built coming alive and zapping people with uh, optical lightning effects, and it's all yeah. set with like. Uh, uh, the Tannhauser by Wagner, uh, the overture music, which like I'm such a sucker for. Every time that piece of music shows up in movies, I'm always like, oh, this isn't so bad. And it's just like yeah. it's just this music, but it totally elevates and works so well with this like zombie rampage and people just being killed left and right. That I'm like, yeah, that like almost redeems this movie just being this like goofball horror comedy thing. So, um, I don't regret buying this on blu-ray uh even though it was like fairly expensive uh that's the one thing that people have been complaining about with this vestron Mm -hmm. video line these are like uh 35 bucks canadian each it's pretty steep man yeah well it's like that's criterion prices um and like they are putting a ton of work into like special features and stuff for like i mean piece of shit movies essentially um Mm -hmm. and i mean whatever this limited edition stuff means um i'm going to be mad when like a year from now they just put out these movies like in not limited edition and they're like 10 bucks but Mm -hmm. but they won't have spine numbers right (laughs) 
Oh, Jared. But hey, uh, next month, uh, Return of the Living Dead Part 3 is coming out from them. Unrated, full version in uh, widescreen. I'm excited, that man. That movie is, it's Brian Yesna, my boy. Um, or some, he was my boy. Until Progeny. Until Beyond Reanimator. Well, Progeny and Beyond Reanimator. Uh, yeah, oh. so, but um, Return of the uh, Living Dead 3 is so awesome. Just like, it has like some of the best practical effects and gore of anything. Mm. It's got a real cool story and a fox chick. So uh, that'll be number three. Actually, that'll be number four because Waxworks 1 and 2 have to still come out. And those are supposed mm. to ship this week for me. So, yeah, mm. Vestron Video. Well, when you uh, buy the, that, I'll uh, borrow it from you and see if it holds up to uh, your uh, high praise. Okay. That yeah, that movie, I'll talk about it at some point. That movie's got a special place in my heart. Okay. Um, and since we talked about Brian Yesna, I'll just talk about Beyond Reanimator from 2003 real quick. Sure. So this is the third film in the Reanimator series. Uh, it's the, also the last film in the Reanimator series. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeffrey Combs shows up again as West. Uh, I didn't realize that Beyond Reanimator was essentially a prison film, though. I had no idea hmm. going in because basically the movie starts with uh, two young brothers. That seems to be a theme now uh, on the yeah. show this week b- between a uh, blood diner and um, phantasm. Uh, yeah. And so two young brothers, they're like hanging out uh, the one guy's sisters, babysitting them. And then a like jawless zombie monster comes in through the front door. He murders her and proceeds to drink some milk. And then mm-hmm. the cops show up, killing this reanimated corpse. And then uh, apparently this is part of the latest uh, Dr. West, uh, I don't know, malpractice madness with his experiments gone awry and more reanimated corpses. But this time they've arrested him and he's going to jail. But the young brother who's just witnessed his sister be killed, he mm-hmm. goes on to become a doctor because he wants to learn the secret to reanimating the dead as a way to make uh. up the things because his sister died. And so he goes to work at the prison where West is staying and he starts going to work in collaborating with him in bringing together a more uh, polished version of the uh, regen uh, formula, that green mm-hmm. glowy stuff. And, uh, yeah, the movie kind of goes from there. Um, it's pretty bad. <laughs> um, it just happens. Well, I don't know. Like, Jeffrey Combs is so much older in this movie, and he's, like, the only good actor <laughs> in this whole thing. The, like, lead actor and the his uh, love interest, they're terrible. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Brian Yezen is just, like, I, it's kind of what I fear after watching Progeny would happen is, like, all his movies just start looking really flat and boring. Um, that he's got less and less of a budget as time's gone on and he's just he's an older guy making these movies and just hacking them out um, I've got that there's a one uh, his comic book uh, adaptation Faust uh, it's like right in the middle of those two movies and I'm mm-hmm. really not looking forward to watching that now because it's just going to be crap uh, whatever magic he had uh, in the mm-hmm. 80s early 90s it's probably gone um, I think I've only got one more of his things to go to though and that's uh, Silent Night Deadly Night 4 <laughs> Oh, that's so, gonna be great. That that could it could be it could be a magical could be, could be a magical experience. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you yeah. watching that this year? Or uh, at it's, Christmas? Well, we'll see. Because I mean, I've only ever seen the first Silent Night, Deadly Night, and I really mm-hmm. want to check out that part two. Uh, I've only seen the legendary uh, clips from that film of Garbage Day. <laughs> Which, I uh, I've only heard about this. I've never seen those. Oh, um, yeah. Even the clips. Really? Well, yeah. Th- those were uh, legend in the early days of like real player 
in like the mid two thousands. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's that movie's just got like a a real legendary performance from the the killer in that that movie. Yeah. And then uh, three is directed by uh, Monty Hellman, who like directed movies like uh, Tulane Blacktop and uh, some Criterion westerns. Like um, mm-hmm. yeah. So he's like a guy with some real pedigree, and he directed Silent Night, Daily Night three. I don't know. So mm. I, I mean, I've got so many movies I could watch. I might push that off till later this year. Sure. And do it up. Might as pro- well do it up properly. Because I was just going to watch four. Because I haven't seen two or three yet. So it doesn't mm-hmm. probably matter. Um, yeah. And then uh, maybe I'll toss it back to you. Sure. Uh, so the next movie I watched uh, was a somewhat newer one uh, from 2008 called Eden Lake. Uh, and this movie was dope. It was yeah. very good. Uh, so what happens is, uh, where does this movie take place? In England somewhere? Yeah, somewhere, somewhere uh, in the UK. Jolly old England. Yeah. So uh, it opens and you get uh, Michael Fassbender and uh, this young lady. And they're going to, uh, he's taking her to go camping for the weekend at a quarry before the quarry gets uh, paved over for apartment buildings or something like that he wants to show her the beauty of nature and uh, he might also want to do some romantic things so he takes her to this place secluded out in the woods and as they're there trying to enjoy themselves they encounter a group of hoods uh some young kids who are no good this is another chavs yeah this is another movie that can fall in the uh the kids are no good uh, category um so yeah especially english kids uh mm-hmm. th- they're definitely no good mm-hmm. um so the uh the young couple encounters these kids a couple times and uh they're just they play their music too loud their dogs out of control uh they throw bottles they pop the guy's michael fassbender's tires uh and then eventually they steal his car and uh, he's pretty pissed off about it. So they go find him out or find out the group of kids. Uh, there is a conflict. And what happens basically is the kids start to basically the lead kid played by uh, Jack O'Connell, who is some turning into a high profile English actor. I think he's in a lot of stuff now. Yes. He's starting to be at least. Yeah. Um, he's kind of like the ringleader here. Uh, he basically assaults them and. He's going to kill them. And so the lady runs away. Michael Fassbender gets caught. And then she comes back. And she basically sees a pretty gr- gruesome scene of uh, this the lead kid making all the other kids take turns stabbing Michael Fassbender. Oh, yeah. Um, it's pretty. There's one that's really gnarly where it's like a little kid. And the guy's like, do it, do it. And the kid sticks like the knife in Michael Fassbender's mouth and just kind of jiggles it a little bit. It's, it's very like. I forgot it, about that. <laughs> you see it and you're just like, oh, God. Uh, yeah. So then so then uh, they kill him. Spoiler. Uh, spoiler. Oh. Uh, And then uh, the young lady is on the run in the woods because they're looking for her now because they can't let her go. They killed the one guy. They have to kill her so no one gets let out. And then what follows is basically a pretty like pretty tense and like super well paced uh, movie about her just trying to run away. And uh, she'll she makes some progress and then she gets back or put back a little bit and then she makes some progress and gets put back a little bit. Um, This movie's super rough. Uh, it's relentless in how depressing and like insane or like you feel so bad for this lady. Cause like it never ends with her. Um, but 
I thought this movie was very good. Uh, like I said, it's it's well paced. Like you you turn this thing on and uh, it's like two hours almost, or and, and no, it's only an hour and a half, but it flies by. Like it's so well put together. Um, I thought it was really good. I was surprised to find that uh, it doesn't have like a a lot of love on uh, Letterboxd. Hmm. There's there are people who seem to have a problem with it, and from what I gather. Uh, people think it's like demonizing the working class because <laughs> the kids are like workers and they have like shitty parents who are also working class, I guess. But um, mm. I, I don't agree with that at all. I felt like everybody in the movie was shitty, not just like the working class. Like Michael Fassbender seems like he has a pretty good job. Like he's not working class and he was really shitty too. Um, I don't, so I don't get that at all. And I also think that like maybe one guy said that and his review got popular. So then a lot of people just copied him. Um, and that's maybe what happened, but I didn't think that. And I don't know. It was a good show. I liked it. It was very tense. Yeah. No, um, I remember it was a, quite a few years ago now. Uh, my friend Amanda, she got this out from Netflix when Netflix was just a DVD rental uh, front. Uh. And uh, she was. this is one of the movies that she randomly got because uh, she liked horror movies and she loved British stuff. So this was just mm-hmm. something that we, she randomly grabbed and uh, I came over and we watched it. And yeah, this movie was like really, really excellent. And I made sure I made a point of getting a copy of this because um, it was like Dimension Extreme was the label uh, yeah. that put this out, which yeah. is like, uh, if you've seen these DVDs, they're like, they're, you just associate these covers and go, oh God, this is going to be a piece of garbage. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, because you could pretty well write off these movies like as all like crap because you have bad covers mm-hmm. um but i guess like they're aimed at just like getting horror movie people to rent them by having like edgy covers with a chick and something bad's going to happen to her but mm-hmm. then every once in a while and this is why like uh i watch as many horror movies as i do because i'm always on the lookout for like the next like really great film and like that's like an eden lake for me like eden lake is mm-hmm. like a really solid well-made movie there's like yep. no real missteps or anything in a storyline wise yep. it's just like yeah it's, it's unrelenting it's it has these really great situations Mm-hmm. Of like, well, hey, are you gonna kill this kid? Like, like because they're gonna come after you. They're gonna get yeah. you if you don't. And then you still feel bad and gutted about it. And it just keeps building <laughs> yeah. and building. And yeah, there's a real tension to it. Uh, it's got a great ending. Uh, which oh, yeah. I won't go too much into detail, but it's uh, mm-hmm. one. Of, it's one of the good endings. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just, yeah, a grim, mean movie. It's uh, yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah, it's very good, and it's like you said, it's got a great ending. And uh, the next movie I was going to talk about also has a great ending. And I, I wanted to, I wish people knew, like that these movies like just nail the ending. But it's hard to talk about that without like giving it away, like because if you expect it coming, I think that takes away the magic from it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Eden Lake, hard, hard, solid recommend. Um, it's very tense, um, and then you'll get uncomfortable, and you'll probably feel bad at near the end. So. It's a, an effective horror story. A plus. A plus. Uh, yep. And then, uh, so after that, I watched a movie called The Birthday, uh, featuring uh, everybody's favorite Corey Feldman. <laughs> uh, so this was a uh, this was a pretty good movie actually. Um, and this is another like obscure movie. Yeah, I I only knew about this because a couple of years ago you made a list of movies that you thought I should be watching instead of the stuff I was watching, yeah. and this was on there. So along with was, Eden uh, Lake, <laughs> as, um, yeah, along with Eden Lake, actually, these are both the uh, Jarrett picks. So um, I had been saving it in my back pocket for a while, and uh, I finally got around to it. Uh, and this one, uh, Corey Feldman goes to a hotel, meets his girlfriend, and you discover that he's there for his girlfriend's 
family is throwing a big party in like the ballroom for like her dad or uncle or some shit. It's somebody's birthday. I don't remember whose. Um, doesn't matter. Yeah. His girlfriend's family is having a big party in the ballroom. And then I think it's her, uh, is it her birthday? No, I think it's her dad or uncle's. Okay, yeah, because there's like the whole there's a reason why it's happening on that day though too. Because it's like it's like or the birthday of their like entity or <laughs> something like well, that. Yeah, yeah. but it's, so it, it's not actually like the girl's family who's doing that though. So yeah. Um, so what you see is Corey Feldman interacting with the family, and they're kind of weird. And then uh, all the staff at the hotel is also very weird. And uh, then you meet a character who kind of like exp- Corey Feldman walks in some on some guy killing another guy. Right. And he he lays it out for him. He's like, listen, all the waiters here are part of a secret cult, and uh, today they is like the day that they're gonna rebirth their like their uh, messiah and stuff like that. And Corey Feldman's like, huh? Oh, actually, I didn't mention he plays like this really sniveling weasel type of guy. Well, he, he, he plays he, Jerry Lewis. Yeah, he's like, oh, oh, oh I just, oh, oh. yeah, so. no, yeah, no, he he totally, yeah, for for your reference, he is like channeling Jerry Lewis in this movie mm-hmm. for for no reason, for none. He just like decided I'm going to play this like Jerry Lewis would have, because well, I I get there are some scene like some dialogue with his girlfriend where it's basically like he always like. Uh, caves caves in and like he he doesn't have any like spine basically so i think maybe that's what it was like he was trying to just personify like the sound of sniveling or something like that but um it didn't distract me or anything like that i just thought i should mention uh where uh, the hotel crew is a cult and uh they're trying to birth their like demon god Mm -hmm. uh so he he tries to go warn everybody and then uh, i'm gonna go into spoilers here so if anyone is interested, just jump like a minute ahead or if you don't want it to spoiled. Uh, so what happens is the people kill some of the people at the party and then they do start to get their deity birthed. And it's it's really awesome. The scene is wicked. Uh, it all goes silent because Corey Feldman's ears blow out. And then it's like he's kind of waking up to this horrors and you see like these people getting like globbed together yeah kind of like in how society was that was the only thing uh, but, i thought it but like, used. but in the most like non like prosthetic makeup way possible too no yeah like it's just like oh it's like but you know what it is that you're looking at because it's just this mm-hmm. mob massive people all writhing and moving in form and you never get a good enough look of it because it's kind of just in the background yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it's always like uh, there's always like someone standing in front so you can't see it but you can see like all the people kind of like moving together but like in a yeah. weird asymmetrical way like uh, it's it's super good I think it looks great yeah um, like that part's awesome it really it reminded me of like a lot of Japanese horror stuff like where people just their bodies like morph together and it, stuff like it, that. everything starts behaving irregular but it looks right yeah. it's like well that looks normal but then it starts moving you're like wait that's all off mm-hmm. yeah there's no and like um I, I noticed that like i remember i was just watching i watched this on my laptop like a few years ago i remember being like this movie looks really good um mm-hmm. and then I, when i looked at the file again recently i think when uh, you were going to borrow it from me and i was like oh this looks like so like low res like it's because there's no like i don't know this movie's like just doesn't exist like commercially yeah. i don't think mm-hmm. um but and it should because it's actually kind of like a really interesting movie um yep. it definitely falls into the uh i guess the lovecraft camp of oh yeah yeah for sure uh yeah so um that was all good and i think 
I think it all has like a really good kind of slow burn build up. Like mm-hmm. you know something's going on, but uh, and the movie itself is like pretty well made. There was nothing I had like a real problem with. Uh, but I think that last like ten minutes is fantastic. Yeah. Like it's all about um, that. Yeah. Like even even the stuff around like the blob body that's moving around, like not just that, but the stuff going on around it is really good. So um, the moving yeah. camera and stuff like that—that's particularly something that jumps out at me. There's also like steady cam and the camera moving in and out of rooms and just mm-hmm. following around, and like the actual the furnishing of the like that hotel room space is like really mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, no, it's like a really good movie. Like I don't know, but yep. yeah, yeah, it's, it's it was good stuff. So uh, I thought it was really good. Um, so yeah, I guess what you said is it's not easy to find, but people should seek it out because it was pretty, uh, a good, a nice surprise yeah. I guess, to say a nice birthday surprise. Yeah. Got it. Uh, so do you, I have two movies that are, uh, part one and part two. Do you want me to lay them out for you or do you want uh, to take over for a bit? I'll, I'll talk about some stuff. Sure. Um, so I watched, uh, the film Astro Zombies. And oh. yeah, that, and that bad boy was from, uh, 1968. Uh, I watched that just because the director, Ted V. Mickles died, uh, just recently. And, uh, I had never watched mm. anything that he'd done before. And I've known about his stuff for quite a few years. Um, there was one of the, uh, film reference books that I haven't really got into to talk about yet on these ghoul schools. But one of mm-hmm. those books that I read that had a big influence on me was one uh, by research, uh, called incredibly strange films. And, uh, one of the guys that this book covers was Ted V. Mickles, who just directed like real, like Z grade, um, like exploitation horror stuff. And mm-hmm. Astro Zombies was one of those movies that I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool sounding title. Um, so this movie is generally regarded as one of the worst films ever made, uh, oh. by, by lazy people who don't yeah. watch enough bad movies. Uh, it's kind of mm-hmm. like the, the Ed Wood being the worst director of all time. Cause plan nine from outer space is like the worst movie ever made. That's just bullshit. Yeah, um, whatever. I, I'd watch that movie over like a lot of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, uh, Astro Zombies, it's, I think in my, my review of it would kind of go that it's a movie that just sort of exists. It just goes mm-hmm. on in the background. There's like, it's just as like kind of boring as like Return of Dr. X, but because Dr. X is a Warner Brothers movie that stars Humphrey Bogart, it gets a pass. Um, yeah. Astro Zombies is like, had less budget, has a bunch of actors you've never seen, uh, and just kind of drones on. It's like the worst movie ever, but it's like, I, they're kind of dealing with the same type of thing. Mad scientists and like weird, like convoluted scenes of just people talking in, in rooms, but they're just like, they're not as charismatic as, um, like Hollywood actors would be. These are just like people that like probably worked in like educational films and they're just like mm-hmm. here delivering lines one line at a time. And I don't know. Uh, so I didn't hate this movie at all. Uh, I was glad I kind of watched it and got it out of the way just cause I'm like, okay, now I've seen a Ted V Mickles movie. Yeah. I wouldn't like go out of my way to tell anyone to go watch this movie. Um, uh, it was more for like me, just like a, something I needed to watch and get out of the way. I'd been wanting to watch this for like a lot of years. Um, I'm glad that I think I just found it on YouTube. <laughs> so that yeah. was, that was an easy thing. Um, cause I'd probably be like more upset if I paid like $30 to watch this. Um, 
like on DVD way back when I didn't have a lot of money. Uh, kind of the same way I felt with this like one uh, Ray Dennis Deckler film called like Incredibly Mixed Up Strange Creatures movie or something like that. And it's like one of those things I'm like, that kind of sounds cool, but I don't think it's actually going to be a good movie worth my time because I'm never going to watch it again after I see it. Mm-hmm. That type of thing. Yeah. So Astro Zombies. Uh, speaking of zombies... I watched another film that has zombies in the title. And because I was continuing on with watching me some Jess Franco movies, who's like turning into like one of my favorite dudes. Yeah. What is this like the fourth or fifth one you've watched? Oh, well, it's like I'm, so far this month. Yeah. I've got more to go to because I'm like mm. loving, I'm loving it. I'm getting into it, yeah. man. So right. Oasis of the cool. Zombies is another film that's also considered one of the worst films of all time. Oh, Which man. I think a lot of this comes down to the fact that these movies have zombies in the title. And so people are going out of their way to watch, mm-hmm. oh, zombies, man. I fucking love zombies. I love Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. And then they're yeah. like, they start to like, they become zombie fans. And then they watch like the Romero movies. And then they're like, I want to watch more zombies. And they start watching things because they have zombies in the title. And they go, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. <laughs> and sure, fair enough. But do your research, people. So Oasis of the Zombies, it's, it's a Jess Franco movie. And uh, maybe because I've like watched like 13 or 14 of his movies now, I, I know exactly what I'm getting into every single time. And mm-hmm. I thought this was wasn't too bad um but that there's always like an asterisk with that like if like rj if i was like saying hey if I, i'd be very specific in which just franco movies i would lend to you because i know there's some yes. stuff that you would just be like i don't give a shit about this at all which mm-hmm. is fair because it's just movies of like lots of lingering long shots in like foreign locations and just like shambly looking semi handsome people kind of like saying their lines and doing things moving on to the next inevitable like scene of more talking driving yeah. and hanging out and then uh zombies that are like horrible makeup uh, but they have this like, re- like I think they look cool. But I think most people be like, that's not a very believable looking zombie because because we, <laughs> yeah. we have a frame of reference for what zombies look like now. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't know. This movie it's like it has about three or four different points where it restarts. Like it just completely starts with new characters. Is uh, it explained at all? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Come on. Um, no, like the movie starts with like two groups of a group of characters going to this oasis which is the only place where these zombies exist in the middle of this desert and it's like the spot where like a like nazi plane crashed <laughs> and so there's these nazi zombies that just like hang out under the sand and like eat people when they come out that's sure. all they do that's all it's all about and then like mm-hmm. various groups go to this oasis finding they're either looking for treasure that they think is there or wanting to research it for like historical purposes or they're just going there to hang out because like the first one's like you get a group of like these two like college age girls um real butterfaces. <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh, and like, yeah, just like, just like the most average looking girls you've ever seen. And they get killed. <sighs> but then the, so the movie restarts and then you get a new group of characters and they get killed. And then like one of them survives, but you don't see them again for like a half hour. And it's like, now you get this like whole new story with like this, like this chic character type character with his wife and like them, like having like these long exchanges on dunes. And then mm-hmm. at some point later on, we get back to the Oasis with the zombies I don't yeah. know. This movie just kind of happens and you just kind of like go along with it. It's a perfect magazine viewing. Um, Ooh, I like those. Uh, there's always like good music in these Jess Franco movies. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't dislike this movie at all. I thought it was, uh, I don't know, it kind of better than I expected because people just talked about this being his worst. I'm yeah. sure there's way worse of his movies to come for me. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. 
I was kind of into it. Um, well, I, as uh, you said, you're going to watch a, a bunch more of his movies this this month. So I, what I want you to do is pick out the two best that you like and oh, then give those to me. Okay. I could, to- I could probably do that at this point because I've probably already seen his best entry point movies because they're like mm-hmm. his most like not like just Franco movies. Okay. Because he, he's done that. And there are, I think you'll dig those. Um, okay. But cool. maybe we'll talk about that next week. Sure. Um, so my next like Franco visit was actually a film that he didn't direct at all. Uh, it's called Vampire Aquaticuck. It's a hmm. odd little title, but um, it's directed by a guy. It's like Pierre like Portobello, like the mushroom. Like <laughs> cool. It's, so so uh, yeah, it, yeah. It, you know, it's Pierre. It's Pierre Portobello. So Sweet. so what this is is it's kind of it's like a movie within a movie because it was shot during the filming of Count Dracula by uh, Just Franco starring Christopher Lee. Um, so what it is, is like he was like on the set at the exact same time that Franco was making that movie and he was just there filming stuff and he was just shooting in black and white. Um, mm-hmm. And like, just, so the whole film is essentially silent except that he's like kind of put over like his own score of music. Um, there's no dialogue until the very, very last scene. Mm-hmm. And it's just like an experimental, like, uh, like, documentary art film uh that's set during a like telling of like dracula and it's amazing um like i don't know if this is up to like everyone else's tastes and this is just on youtube like i mm-hmm. uh because i had not heard of this until i saw a few people mentioning it on letterboxd and then i was like huh i wonder if that's on the uh, count dracula blu-ray that i don't have because i bought the dvd right before the blu-ray got announced and sure enough it is <laughs> and mm-hmm. um so I'm like, okay, well, I'll check that out because I really like Dracula. Uh, I think that's like one of Franco's better movies. And so I was watching this and I was like, whoa, like this is really good. I, I'm a big fan of like stuff like Eight and a Half. Um, and this like fits right into that. Like this is like just a strange little offbeat thing. The score is great. It's like only like 67 minutes long. And this thing like had me like totally enraptured in it. My eyes did not leave the screen the entire time I've watched this. Unlike a lot of stuff that I've watched this month. Um mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like it's like not even really a horror film or anything like that. It's just like a genuinely like cool, interesting film, like kind of like mm. Guy Madden stuff. It's got this like yeah, the, this like high contrast black and white, um, and it's just like yeah, I don't know. I found it endlessly interesting. What's go- like all the stuff that's going on because it's just the exact same story. It's told in uh, in order too, so it's like it's just like this. Uh, I think I compared it to like uh, Spanish Dracula. Like how everyone's always like, well, okay, you know, because yeah, yeah. like, because like the whole story with that is like, yeah, Todd Browning filmed the uh, the regular version, and then in Night, the Spanish version was shot with a different cast and whatnot. So this is kind of like that, except that it was actually filmed literally during when the other film was being made. Um, mm-hmm. So like, there's a scenes where like you can see the camera crews moving around the sets and stuff like that. So it's like like this ultimate like behind the scenes movie while also like telling a story. Yeah, I yeah. I thought it was like awesome. Like it's like definitely hmm. the best thing I've seen. Uh, this month yeah like I, or I, one, ever one of the well god like one of the, but definitely one of the best things i've seen this year okay like, easily like i thought it was fantastic but like it totally speaks to me in a unique way that like i don't know it might not be for everybody but like i don't know it's like because i mean i also still like that room 237 because because oh, of like, yeah. what it is so i mean this isn't like that though at all because there's no like there's no like crackpots listing off their theories i mean mm-hmm. I'm, I'm into crackpots talking about their theories and yeah, watching and watching uh footage of the shining this doesn't have that aspect to it but um yeah i know i thought this was really cool hmm. um 
That sounds all right, man. Yeah, and uh, then I watched the best Jess Franco movie I've seen yet <gasps> of all the Franco movies. And oh, it, man. it also comes with the caveat that this is probably not for everyone, as in like everyone listening. It's made, This movie was made for me, uh, it turns okay. out. Uh, so, Female Vampire from 1973. Oh, Jared, you pervert. Did, did you read about this movie at all? No, I know, saw you as soon as stills? I heard the title "Female yeah. Vampire." Yeah, I was so, like, "Oh, just just Jared. just just to point this out to for people uh, on Instagram, uh, RJ generally likes everything that gets shared on Criterion <laughs> Creeps. But did he like the photo I posted of the girl boobs on it? No, because RJ she doesn't have like hot abs. You know, RJ doesn't like boobs. <laughs> Nope. nope, no pictures of boobs can be liked because that makes you a pervert, I guess. Your, your vulgarity a, knows no bounds. Man, it's like you don't even know the meaning of being a criterion creep, man. Uh, I'm the criterion part. You're the creep. Uh, there, there you Hi-yo. go. There we, perfect. I ring the creep. So, uh, yeah. female vampire. The plot of this movie is that uh, this woman, she's part of the... Um, God, what are they called? Like the Karstein thing. So it's like referencing the hammer horror, like that lineage of like the Karstein Dracula family family and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Um, But in this particular universe, uh, these are like apparently classic vampires that they drain the, the essence of their victims through their genitals. Oh my God! So you pervert. So this movie uh, stars Lena Rome, who uh, who is uh, uh, Jess Franco's longtime partner. Uh, mm-hmm. Like they they wound up getting married before both of them died, uh, just like in the last eight years. Uh, so they were together for like a really long time, like 30, 40 years. And yeah, like so she's a total babe, and her outfit consists of a black cape, a black belt buckle right above her pelvis. And mm-hmm. black riding boots, and that's it. There's no clothing. There, that's all she wears. So she's naked, uh, except for oh, when she's God. not in full vampire mode. Um, uh-huh. The first scene, it's just like the most. It's just beautifully shot. Like this stuff is like gorgeous. It's like it's this foggy scene, and just the title "Female Vampire" pops up. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it's just uh, the kind of the fog kind of thins a little bit, and um, Romy comes toward us, walking, just straight on, looking right into the camera, and it's just this shot of her walking with this music. Uh, it's just like stock music that he used, only two tracks, and mm-hmm. just her walks toward the camera, and then she gets real close, and then the camera just pans down right to her pubes. And then it holds there <sighs> and it goes up. It, it's all, it's vintage Franco because he loves pubic hair. He, God damn it, he shoots a lot of pubes, a lot of bush in this film. Um, we're losing so many fans no, because of this stuff that you get into. Au contraire, I think we're gaining fans. Oh, man. <laughs> so the first, her first victim is a farmer that she just happens to come across. She proceeds to give him a blowjob. And, of course, he's like, yeah, this is kind of cool. And then he dies because his life essences have been drained out of his penis. And oh, she's, so he's dead. Uh, but so she's so she'll drain the uh, fluids out of any genital, be it man or woman. So we get scenes of her just, like, uh, just uh, going down on people. And then after completing the act, sometimes she just, like, finishes herself off on top of their dead bodies. Which, like, it's, like, done in this way that's, like, so, like, creepy because i'm like fuck like this actor that they've cast this woman she has to like play dead and it's mm-hmm. all done in like kind of one take and she's like having to play dead while like lena Romi gets to like roll around and like masturbate on top of her mm-hmm. and it's just like 
what the fuck? And it's like, this is like, so there's two versions of this film, or I think there's three versions of this that uh, exist. There's two on the Blu-ray I have. There's the version I watched, which is like the, has like the, like the hardcore pornography part of it, which isn't even like as bad as you'd think. Like sure. I, it could be like way worse. Like this is like fairly like, it's just like a bob, her hair, like bobbing on someone's crotch. There's no like penis going into anyone's mouth. Like you don't actually see that. It's what's happening, mm. but it's like simulated. For okay. the mo- I guess so. There's no insertion shots, RJ. There's no insertion shots. Oh, this- hey, how, how how nice. This is this is not explicit. Co- hey, this is explicit content on uh, iTunes. So hey, we're we're good. I so, guess fun for the whole family yeah, then, eh? Yeah. So yeah, her writhing around, masturbating, and like yeah, Jess Franco is not shy about getting that camera zoom right up in there. He, <sighs> so. Uh, yeah, no, I like this movie is such a great vibe and atmosphere to it. Um, like this movie you could write off as like, which you can, and that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. it's just like total, like sleazy porn. There's the second version. So the other thing I was getting at was that there's the second cut of this film called Erotic Kill, which is the exact same movie, but it's cut out all the like porn parts, I guess. Um, okay. which like, I don't even know how that would play. Like, cause there's like, definitely like this movie is like, uh, I think like the one reviewer, Kim Newman referred to it as a me- like meandering tat, uh, which mm-hmm. ma- made me laugh. Uh, cause yeah, it definitely could be called that. But I mean, I'd say that of like all the Franco stuff I've watched so far, this is like his, probably his best well-made movie and like it gets all his ideas and themes and obsessions in it. And it's all packed into one movie. And on the top of it all, it touches upon the thing I was mentioning last week about like really good horror movies, like having like a sadness to it. Because mm-hmm. essentially she's played as this like monster. Like she's this creature that's like this like succubus what, what, that, that needs to feed. And this is the only okay. way she can eat. And so she has to like do this over and over and over again. It's like the movie Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson in a lot of ways. Like just oh, like okay. like plot wise. Like it's, but it's not yep. like, I, I mean, I wouldn't call it, I don't think it's like a better movie than Under the Skin by any means. But I think, I think this movie's better in my opinion like i think i would watch female vampire in a heartbeat but i know for a fact that under the skin is watchable by like the rest of the world like Mm -hmm. the rest of the world could watch that movie female vampire very small number of people and i'm just happy to be part of that club i'm not part of the phantasm club but i'm part of the female vampire club and i'm how yeah how great hey i'm very happy to be part of it i'm so glad to have found something this like i I thought was like this neat like it's just like wow this is movies like exactly what i wanted and i didn't even know it (laughs) well you're a pervert and everybody knows you're a pervert and uh i guess you're happy with that so i'm down with that i'm not gonna change your mind okay so rj uh what have you got to finish up with finish up whoa um okay well i got two movies here for you joe Uh, I watched uh, VHS and VHS 2 mm-hmm. uh, from only a couple years ago even. So if anyone is unfamiliar, these are uh, anthology movies. So uh, movies that have little – a whole movie that's made up of shorts of different movies, different tales of wonder. That's it, fascinating. Fascinating. Tales of wonder. Um, so the premise for these movies, which I actually think is kind of neat – is uh, in each of them there is like a group of people who f- stumble upon uh, a horde of like VHS tapes and then they start to watch the tapes and then that's what you watch and the tapes are basically like different stories of like ghoulish or scary things. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. So that's like both of them. Uh, they're both found footage, which I'm sure people know I'm not a super fan of. Uh, so I guess I'll just get into it. Um, yeah. 
so each of them has like a main story in the background. Like the, the wraparound, first, yeah. The wraparound, like why, who is watching these tapes? And the first one, it's like a group of dudes who get paid to break into an old man's house. Uh, they find that the old man is dead and he has all these VHS tapes and they're, they're supposed to find one for a guy who's paying them. And uh, they're looking for... They're looking for it, and then they watch the tapes, and then at the end, some shit happens. Uh, I didn't think that story was very interesting. Uh, in the second one, it's a guy and a girl who are like maybe private detectives or something. I can't remember. I may have missed it. And it's like they get asked to, or they go stumble into a guy's house. The and second they, movie. In the second movie, yeah, yeah they, they stumble upon tapes as well. And uh, like the big thing I think is that both of these occurrences, they also film their breaking and entering because, of course, it, they become VHSs to add to the collection. Correct? Yep. Okay, so the first VHS is made up of five different stories. Okay. Uh, the f- I'm just going to blow through them. Yep. Uh, the first story was a succubus story. It's about a like college dudes who get uh, a camera in their glasses uh, they pick up some babes. They go back to their hotel room. And then one of the babes is like super weird. And then she like bites the dude. And then she kills them. And she grows wings and stuff like that. That one was pretty good. I yep. like that one. Yeah, that one's good. Uh, cool. Oh, I, I will preface or I forgot to say VHS one has some pretty horrible found footage stuff like really shaky camera. And I think the second one was a little bit better uh, in that sense. Um, whatever. It's fine. Uh, so each of these, they find like a, w- a reason for the people to have a camera, whatever. Otherwise, there's uh, no movie. <laughs> otherwise, there's, there's no movie. But I do have the one big crux to all these is these things are filmed on like eyeglass cameras and security or like eyeglass cameras and uh, cell phones and stuff like that. And it's like, well, who ported it to a VHS tape? <laughs> and especially in the second one, because the second one is... um. Uh, in the second one, the best segment act, or one of the best segments actually is like Korean or something. And it's got like uh, it's a whole mix of like different cameras. It's like who edited this stuff to- together? <laughs> uh, actually, the this another story in that one is too. Anyways, it doesn't matter. It's whatever. You have to just get over it. Right, Jer? Shut up. Just talk about the clips. Let's talk about the okay. shorts. Go. Shorts. Go. Uh, okay. The second one was uh, really bad. It was about a couple and a lady was stalking them and it didn't need to exist because it was dumb and it's stupid. <laughs> uh, so that was whatever. Done. <laughs> Done. Uh, the third one was about kids in a lake or kids going to a lake. Uh, and it had a kind of a neat idea about a killer who like couldn't be filmed. But it also was dumb because like the one girl's friends were out there before and were killed. And so she set up all these elaborate traps and then she brought the other kids there because it's like, you need to be here for the killer to come out. So dumb, whatever. Didn't like that one either. Uh, so that's three. The fourth one uh, I actually did like. It was like a guy and a girl talking on webcams. And the girl had like little kids in her house, like ghosts. And I thought that was pretty cool. But then it had a really weird ending where it was like she gets knocked out. And then the guy comes in the room and he's like, I'm not supposed to be here. He's on the phone. He's like, she passed out. I'm not supposed to be here. And then he cuts open her back and takes out like a fetus. And I was like, what? I was like, did I miss something? I don't I, I don't know if I was like not paying attention or something. If anyone out there knows mm-hmm. what that story is about, I couldn't tell you. Um, I thought the intro was pretty good with all the 
ghouly stuff, but um, the ending really confused me. And then the last one was a group of party dudes who stumble upon an exorcism. And that one was actually pretty good. Um, it's got a really cool thing at the end. Like they uh, save, they think the girl's just being tortured. So they like rescue her. And as they're trying to flee the house, there's like arms coming out of the walls. There's one thing that's really cool is they go to a door and the, as they go to it, the window shrinks and just closes up. I thought that was a really cool image. You hate it, don't you? No. You hate it. You hate these movies. Um, <laughs> well, anyways, so that one was cool. It was like an exorcism one. I like that one. Yeah. And that was VHS one. Yeah. So uh, I think the last story is the best one. I think the first story was good too. So you could watch the first one and the last one. And the rest are t- totally skippable. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. okay, so VHS 2 was uh, four segments this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one was directed by Adam Wingard, who did, like, Year Next and uh, The Guest. So, actually, like, movies I thought were good. Uh, this one was total garbage. It was about a guy who gets a cybernetic eye, and then he can see ghosts. It was lame. It was dumb. Nothing to talk about. Watch Black uh, Mirror instead. Just watch Black Mirror instead, yeah. Yeah. Um. The second one was uh, by your buddy, Eduardo Sanchez, uh, the creator of the Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. My good friend. Your good friend. Me uh, and, and uh, was... Ed for long hanging all the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was about a dude who had a GoPro helmet on. He was bike on a bike trail and he gets bit by a zombie. Yep. And then he's a zombie and you get the GoPro perspective of the zombie. Kind of neat, but I mean, there's not really much to talk about. Yep. Those first two, totally skippable. Uh, the third one... Uh, was about a cult, and it was by the dude who made the Raid movies. Yeah. And that one was really cool. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Um, I won't spoil it, but that one has got some great images yeah. in it. Uh, he did a really good job. Um, and actually, like the two, the last two segments of this movie, I would have wished they were just all this movie was. There was talk of that happening with that, uh, yeah, the Gareth Evans one. Turning it into an actual movie? Yeah, there was some talk of that because that's like also like the longest segment. But I don't know. I think it's fine the way it exists. It's just this like weird little short film. Yeah, um, no. Oh and, oh, and I think you mentioned earlier. I think you you made some. You weren't sure if it was like Korean or not. It's uh, Indonesian. Indonesian. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, so yeah, that one was really good. I thought it was awesome. If VHS was just that one and then this last one, it would have been awesome because the last mm-hmm. one is uh, my one of my favorite areas, fucking aliens, man. And that one was wicked good. Um, it was awesome. It's like so there's a bunch of kids at like a house and like it was it was done really well. They built it up really good. Like you see moments of the kids like playing with each other. They set up things that come about later in the story as well. Um, and. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was awesome because uh, there's some really spooky images in there. And uh, it, it, I think it nails aliens. Like it, it shows them like really ferocious. Like they're just fucking like attacking people, like throwing shit and like running and like scooping people up. It was really, really good. I loved it. The aliens were wicked. They were scary. Uh, the only thing. Uh, the camera was on the dog, and then at the end he kills the dog, which I thought was dumb, uh, because it's like, it's like, why'd you kill the dog? Like that's dumb. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, the alien one was awesome. So uh, I would say everyone just, because VHS two is on Netflix, just go to the halfway point, uh, and just start from there. Yep, that's about yeah. I'd say that's about accurate. I, the VHS anthologies are like, they're typical anthologies because they just kind of like you know. There's like some that are good, some that are not so great, and at the end of the day, they're kind of like not memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, I'd say that, yeah, definitely. I remember like the Gareth Evans one's like really good. And mm-hmm. yeah, the alien abduction thing is like uh, your uh, mileage may vary on alien stuff, but I'd say it's like as far as alien stuff goes, it's probably one of the better like kind of abduction-y type of things because like unrelenting, awesome. like scary, like, oh shit, these things are actually coming to get you and mess yeah. you up. And yeah, the exorcism one from uh, VHS mm-hmm. one is like pretty good too. I remember yeah. having lots of cool little practical effects and spots mm-hmm. and CGI spots that like look really good. Yeah. Cars being yeah. destroyed and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy who did the alien one was the guy who did a uh, hobo with a shotgun too. Oh yeah. So, Jason Eisenberg. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that one was awesome. I, I liked that one a lot. So I'd say out of all, both of the two VHSs, watch the last segment of the first one and then the last two of the second one. And that's all you would need. The rest are totally skippable. Cool. So, yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, you know what? I think I'm going to cut it off here. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been running for a while, I guess. Yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. Um, we'll have to talk about Blackula next time. Ooh, yeah. I watched two that you watched, Blackula and Wishmaster. So yeah. people will be at their edge of their seats waiting mm-hmm. to find out what I thought of the Wishmaster. And, and they're going to have to wait uh, one more week till I can talk about the Greasy Strangler. Uh, yeah. I don't know what to think about that thing. Yeah. I don't know. I still don't know what to think about that thing. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, I've got, I'm like building up a real collection of all the uh, shot on video stuff I've been watching. I've got now, mm-hmm. I'm going to have two weeks of built up uh, shot on video sweetness oh, to God. discuss. There's been, there's some low points and there's some awesome stuff there too. So well, anyway, you're, you're going to have to find a way to burn through those bad boys. If they're just ran, th- run them through. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. Well, folks, that's it for this week. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to keep it a little bit shorter. Uh, we've, kind of try we tried uh you can follow us on twitter at criterion creeps you can email us at criterion creeps at gmail.com and tell us what mm-hmm. we're doing right and what we're doing wrong tell us about your halloweening your horror movie watching we want to know everyone wants tell, to know we want to know you exist tell tell us about your alien abduction slumber party there you go yeah. uh we have a facebook page tumblr instagram uh letterboxd i'm Jarrett duncan he's Barnloaf. SoundCloud, uh, Criterion Creeps, on Stitcher, on iTunes. Follow us, subscribe, like us, do what's right for business. And next episode, we're finding a confluence this month as in our regularly scheduled Criterion Creep. We get in some good old-fashioned body horror from the body Uh, horror boss himself, David Cronenberg, in his film, Dead Ringers. That's the one with Michael Caine, right? Yes, yeah. yeah, Michael Caine doing double duty. And... uh, yeah, we'll be talking about that maybe even on Wednesday or something like that. Mm-hmm. Have to actually watch it again, but that's actually going to be enjoyable, I think. A delight. A delight. Yeah. Cool beans. All right. Well, that's it. Good watching, RJ. All right. Peace out, dog. Bye.